The 200 Level is brought to you by DP Doe, proud supporter of the Illini on campus since 2006, locally owned and employing a staff that truly cares about their customers. DP Doe will always go out of their way to make sure that every customer walks away happy and full. Stop in and try a hot box, their popular combo featuring a calzone, choice of side, and a drink, ensure to be extra tasty in the state of Illinois beginning January 1st. Order direct online at dpdoe.com for their best deals and prices. Also, Brian Hansen, your state farm agent and your local choice for insurance. Their team is made up of four local products, all born and raised in Champaign-Urbana, Tammy, Kennedy, Molly, and Brian. Their office located at 408 North Ray Street, Suite A in Urbana, but they service all Champaign County and East Central Illinois with auto, home, renters, business, and life insurance needs. 217-344-1900 or visit online at brianismyguy.com. And finally, 4th and Kirby, where they kicked off right where it sounds at the corner of 4th and Kirby Avenue, flanked by Memorial Stadium and the Assembly Hall. Launched in 2017, but the roots go back a decade before when two of their partners met courtside at an Illini basketball game. And now it is the best spot to get vintage-inspired Illini t-shirts, hats, and other apparel, including a crew neck sweatshirt, just in time for Illini basketball season. Visit online at 4thandkirby.com for all the latest swag, and you're going to need it for the next couple of tailgates, which actually mean something crazy to think about, right? IlliniInquirer.com, of course, a great partner in the relaunch of the 200 Level and Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Who would have thought that we would be here in early November talking about a bull-bound Illini football team after the greatest comeback in program history? It is episode 47 of the 200 Level titled Million Dollar Baby, Harry Black, Trevor Valise. Going to be a lot of fun. It is the 200 Level. It is the 200 level. Mike Carpenter live from the basement on a Monday morning as the snow is getting ready to roll in central Illinois. For our listeners to the north, you're probably getting a little bit more than we are. But, you know, while this would normally really bother me on November 11th, I'm just too happy right now. I'm too happy with Illinois football. I'm so happy that I didn't really even care all that much about Illinois' second half performance against Arizona last night. Uh, not that that should happen in the way that it did, but you know, you ride that wave from the greatest comeback in Illini football history, and I, I love the timing of this too. We get a bye week, so we aren't going to lose on Saturday. We get to ride this thing all the way up to November 23rd against Iowa in what is all of a sudden a... It's gravy. You know, whatever happens up there. And I love the idea of this team, for one, getting healthy and for another, really playing with no chip on their shoulder. Uh, they got that monkey off their back, as the team, a couple of the guys even said that themselves on Saturday. Monkeys off the back. Now they can play even looser than they had been. And it seemed like they played their loosest against Michigan State when essentially that game was over. And I don't know about you and what you guys were doing as you watched that game on Saturday, but I know for myself, I had to take a few breaks from watching it. I think I've mentioned this before. Kara, my wife, is a Michigan State alum, and we are not much for gloating. So when Michigan State took an early 28-3 to lead, she wasn't giving me anything. And when Illinois completed that comeback, I didn't say anything to her. It was you know, like this mutually understood, uh, okay, you know, I'm not going to press any buttons with that. And what I did in the second quarter when that game got to 21-3, to and it just looked hopeless. The offense wasn't doing anything. The defense was getting shredded. I came down to the basement and just played on the guitar for a little bit. Later on, I played a little NFL Blitz on N64. Again, just trying to get my mind off of what was a disappointing Saturday for about three hours. 
keep in mind, this was a four-hour game. This was the Lawrence of Arabia of football games, um, except the first three quarters of it stunk. And you just waited for that climax, which I don't think any of us anticipated would happen. 6.30 is when that game ended. And it is just weird to chart my process as a fan that afternoon from 2.30 to 6.30. And if you time-stamped everything, uh, 3.30, not feeling good. 4.30, feeling worse. 5.30, okay, well, I guess you're still in it. And then all of a sudden, 6.30, just absolute jubilation. It is one of those games that as we look back on, you will remember exactly where you were when you watched it, who you watched it with. And for me, I will specifically remember for the first time in a long time, feeling really tight. Okay, that that feeling you get during a big game where you know that it could go either way. You know that within the next minute or two, you're going to have resolution, either very happy or very bummed. And I, I felt this as it got to first and goal from the one. And Brandon Peters takes the snap. He falls over. A broken play. Now clock becomes an issue. You're running out of timeouts. Um, and then you get to the fourth and goal and the pass to Caleb Reams. That was, man, that's a risky play. Because if that's overthrown, then you aren't going to get that flag on it. Caleb Reams almost made the catch. It was a good call. It was pass interference. And Illinois then, the next play, they get stuffed on a run. The clock is running and it's running. And then you finally score on that second and goal. The second second and goal with Barker opening the end zone and Peters buying time. And in those moments, there's a sort of delayed reaction. There's this buildup and all this tension is, is gathering. And then when Barker catches it, it took me about two or three seconds to finally release that tension and realize that we were five seconds away from winning that game. And yet, even with that, I remember texting Trevor and Harry saying, this is the longest five seconds of my life right now. I think I texted them that or maybe I just thought it. It was all the days. And thinking, well, something could still go wrong. Because keep in mind, until that final uh, second ticked off the clock, a lot of things had actually won against Illinois in that fourth quarter, even during the comeback. You have missed extra point, which actually ended up in Illinois' favor because it forced them to go for the game-winning touchdown instead of just a game-tying field goal. I never want to put the game in the, on the feet of a kicker. I know it worked against Wisconsin, but you just can't always count on that. And then you also had Brandon Peters throw just a really bad pass to Josh after they had gotten the fumble in the Michigan State red zone. And all these moments, and taken with the first half and, and when you couldn't do anything right, it just felt like it was one of those games where you dug yourself too big of a hole, you, you had a valiant effort coming back, and it just wasn't enough. And it's as if I was preparing myself for waking up on Sunday morning, going on my run as I usually do through campus, and thinking, God, you know, we, we were so close and better to not lose by 28, but it, it kind of hurts more to make that comeback and not finish it off. But they did. So as an Illini fan, I think we have this sort of built-in uh, Murphy's Law approach to things, that whatever can go wrong will go wrong, especially with Illini football. And for whatever reason in this case, it went the opposite direction. Everything was going wrong, and it didn't matter. Illinois still won the game. In fact, for Michigan State, now Murphy's Law is at work for them, as you could judge by all the headlines in the Lansing State Journal and the Detroit Free Press. This is a football program on the precipice of danger, right? Uh, people, uh, I think Graham Couch might have written that this program, as Mark D'Antonio has it right now, is essentially going to be left just as he found it, which is not in a very good place. And if you consider all the other extracurricular stuff going around Michigan State athletics with the Larry Nasser thing, it has not been a really feel-good four or five years for Michigan State football specifically, 
though Izzo still has that thing going for basketball. But it's just weird to be on the other end of that. It's weird to be on the end of the heartbreaker, not the heartbreaky, right? We were the ones that broke their hearts, Michigan State fans, as they thought that game was in the bag. And I wouldn't be surprised if some of them went back out to the lots to enjoy their tailgate, only to watch in horror on an HD television set uh, at some sort of mobile home tailgate setup as their team just gave up a lead that was insurmountable. And keep in mind, this was an insurmountable lead the way that these two teams were playing. The offense could not get anything going. And we've talked before on the 200 level about how the offense is the major concern for this football team because it just lacks consistency. It can go through extended periods where it's not good. But then it can make these big plays. It is a high ceiling, low floor offense, which fortunately can win you some games. And it's a hell of a lot better than a Garrick McGee offense. But nonetheless, it did struggle to kind of find its footing on Saturday. Which is no surprise because Michigan State, at least for a little bit, played like the desperate team. They played like the team that had the pedigree that Illinois just doesn't have yet. And one that was looking to maybe set themselves up for a big game at Michigan next week. Well, then you get Brandon Peters with the best performance by an Illini quarterback since. I mean, we would have to go back a long time to find a performance like that from an Illini quarterback. And yes, there was some bad mixed in. There's no doubt. Brandon Peters, uh, for as good as he is, still has some plays that will make you go crazy. But what I started noticing on Saturday is that a lot of the things I had sort of had a problem with Peters before about him holding the ball too long, which, yes, he does sometimes. I'm watching him get murdered behind that line, which the line play was not all that great for Illini and pass protection, especially, and thinking, you know, what choice does he have? He really is kind of doing the best with what he has and still giving himself and your offense a shot to make some big plays, which he made plenty of. 369 yards, uh, three touchdowns, and uh, one turnover that was, you know, could have been costly, but you more than make up for that when you have a 4th and 16 conversion to Josh Amaterbebe. So if we're talking about MVP of this game, we titled this episode Million Dollar Bebe, and it probably has to be Josh with four receptions, all of them just monster catches, Just throw to him 20 times a game. I don't care how you do it. He's going to get double, maybe even triple team, depending on if Ricky Smalling or anyone else in the wide receiver core can establish that consistency for Illinois. But I think it's worth it because very few things can go wrong when you throw to Josh, unless it is massively underthrown, like that one should have been touchdown that could have given you the lead in that fourth quarter. So Josh Amaterbebe, unbelievable, grad transfer. Brandon Peters, unbelievable, grad transfer. Milo Eifler, well, we had the punch, which wasn't really much of a punch, but still closed fist into the Michigan State guy's bottom, and he gets ejected. I I texted Trevor and Harry early in that first quarter. I said, oh my God, am I going to have to start hating Illini football again? Because before we really saw the replay, I am fuming and thinking, how, with Jake Hansen out, can you have such a boneheaded play? Was it still boneheaded? Yes. When you see things in context, is it anything to get too riled up about? No. And this is where the narrative of this team, right? Never say die, whatever kind of cliche you want to throw on them. It actually applies to them. It applies to this Illini football team. They're missing two of their top three linebackers. The offense for Michigan State is rolling at this point. Tolson doing what he can. DeGroote, Okay, he's put into action and eventually has a pretty good game. But anyone watching that from an Illini fan's perspective just thought, this is going to get ugly. It's going to get ugly quick. And how much goodwill will be left over from that three-game win streak? How good are we really going to be feeling going into the bye week with Iowa looming? 
and then Northwestern, as bad as they are, you always pucker up a little bit thinking of Pat Fitzgerald doing his Fitzy magic and getting that team pumped up just in time for the Illinois game. But no, the, the Illinois defense found a way to settle down. They were really good in the second half. And then you get the takeaways, of course, in the secondary, the touchdown return by Sidney Brown, Nate Hobbs, again, a monster game from him, and a defensive line that really started to settle in despite missing some key contributors. Wole Batiku still a no-show and hopefully back in time for the Iowa game. A, a yeoman's effort from that defense in the second half. And I'll go to one play in particular as I'm watching this game, and I'll get to my game-watching experience in a second here. But this is in the fourth quarter. Michigan State, before that field goal, had, I think, a third and four, third and five. So it was a makeable third down conversion for Michigan State. And the time was getting to a point, about three and a half minutes, where I thought, you know, if they get a first down here, they will be in no rush. They will force you to take the remaining timeout or two that you did have. And they can just milk this thing, which would honestly be torture. I would rather them score a 40-yard touchdown at that point than milk that thing until the clock reads zero because I just wanted the the offense to have one more chance. Defense makes the play. They make the play. They force the field goal. Michigan State makes it. And it's like, okay, well, certainly that sucks that you're down four now, but you get the ball back. And this is, I love any situation that if I'm rooting for a team and they at least get one more shot and we know what is in front of us, we know what they have to do in order to win the game. That's all you can really ask for in a road game for a team that is still on the up, right? This Illinois football team has not arrived necessarily, but they are progressing. Just give them one more shot. Let's see what they can do with it. I said last week that if Illinois were to beat Michigan State, there would have to be a signature moment that we would put on the highlight reel next to the uh, James McCourt kick against Wisconsin, something that would be playing for a long time over there, the Memorial Stadium video board, you know, during team introductions, things like that. We got it. Fourth and 16. Back foot throw from Brandon Peters, Josh Matterbebe with two guys on him. Perfect throw, perfect catch. And that was the only guy he could have thrown to. Because, you know, hey, even if it is double coverage, you do at least put Michigan State in a position to commit a pass interference, which that came into play later with Caleb Reams doing a great job. By the way, Caleb Reams has a ball bounce off of his one and three, what should have been a first down conversion for Illinois after a great play from Brandon Peters. And I'm thinking, come on, Caleb, you know, I, I know that you're thrust into the, in this position because of injuries, but you got to make the play. Well, what does he do? He makes plays later on, including one great catch in that final possession. But that was at fourth and 16. That is the play. And the one that could turn this season from ho-hum, made a bowl game, did what they had to do, to special. I was running on Sunday morning listening to Jeremy Warner and Isaac Trotter's Alana Inquirer podcast. They busted out the word special. And as I'm running and reflecting on this, and by the way, I set like this record time for a seven-mile run. And I think, I'm not even kidding, there is an emotional, mental component to when your team wins, you got an, a bounce in your step. And I had it yesterday, thinking about the game and listening to this Alana Inquirer podcast. And they used the word special, and I couldn't disagree. Illinois football is six and four after the greatest comeback in football program history. They have an opportunity at Iowa. What the heck? I love the timing of that game with Iowa coming off of the Minnesota game, and then they have Nebraska the weekend after that. Perfect timing to maybe spring an upset in Iowa City. And then you have a really bad Northwestern team with the bowl bid secured, and I don't have as many concerns about Illinois entering that game already bowl eligible uh, as I would if Illinois entered that game five and six. So the word special, 
Well, if we were to throw that around for Illinois football in the last 25 years, there was a handful of teams that you would use that for. 1999 was a special team. Eight and four, blowout win in the Micron PC, wins at Michigan and Ohio State, a team that was floundering early in the year. And we've heard comparisons between 99 and this team. I sort of laughed that off a few weeks ago. But the more I begin to kind of process this, I'm thinking, you know, maybe... Here, here are the similarities. You have a quarterback that early on in 1999, I'd have to look at the stats, but Kurt Kittner was not maybe the Kurt Kittner we knew and loved in the first half of that 1999 season. Eventually, something clicked, beginning with that Michigan game, and they got things going. Signature win at Michigan, 1999, that season turns around. For Illinois, oddly enough, it kind of turned around in the second half this year against Michigan, and then it rolled over into that Wisconsin game, and since then you got a four-game win streak. You're finishing hot just like you did in 1999, and I think another similarity between those two teams is that as you enter the offseason, as long as Illinois beats Northwestern and looks decent in the bowl game, there will finally, for the first time in a long time, be that enthusiasm going into the next year. I remember after 1999, my dad and I decided we got to get season tickets. And we weren't the only ones. I mean, Michigan and Ohio State were on that 2000 home schedule. And for the first time in a long time, Illinois football had this momentum behind it, this uh, must-see attraction sort of thing. I don't know if this team is necessarily going to garner that kind of enthusiasm because people had, uh, fans had gotten so beaten down the last decade that they really need to see something special. Though I do think that Lovey Smith and the staff are getting closer and closer to really turning around the fandom, turning around the public, and their perception of Illinois football. So I I do see similarities between 99 and this team. I hope that the follow-up performance in uh, 2020 is not like 2000 when you went 5-6 and and you let one really excruciating loss at home against Michigan kind of derail that season. Uh, But here's the thing. you got a lot of guys returning next year. You have a favorable schedule. I mean, there's a lot of things going in favor of Lovey Smith actually stabilizing this thing, but it was all predicated on winning this year. Five and seven, six and six were some early season prognostications, and I was all about, well, okay, at five and seven, what does that look like? Guess what? We don't even have to worry about that. And now we can actually talk about a seven, maybe eight win season. And... No, uh, unfortunately, quick lane bowl in Detroit. That would be the one that I could have gone to. But if that means they get to go to the pinstripe bowl instead at Yankee Stadium, come on, that's perfect for me. Or if they go somewhere warm. And ultimately, that would be a coup for this team as well and well-deserved. But uh, yeah, I think the word special can be thrown around. This is a team that was left for dead. This is a team that I left for dead. This was a coaching staff that I thought was going to go down as the worst coaching staff in Illini football history, which is saying something when you are on the heels of the Tim Beckman era, but truly it looked the part through the first six games of the year. Don't forget what happened at Minnesota. And by the way, that's a whole story going on up there with PJ Fleck and those guys. But on a rainy Saturday afternoon, you were absolutely lifeless at Minnesota and didn't have that sense of desperation. It was a lifeless performance that I thought given the timing after that Nebraska game, it looked to me like the team might've been folding. And we even talked about that with Lon and Jeremy on the podcast we did uh, late September, early October, how it's crazy to think that we're already thinking about the next coach in early October. This was a common thread. Who's going to take over for Lovey Smith? And the Michigan game didn't do anything to make you feel better about that. And then the Wisconsin game happens and we're all sort of looking at each other like, well, what the hell are we going to do now? And for me, it was all about validating that with the win at Purdue. Well, you did that. And then after Purdue, you think, well, just, you know, do your thing against Rutgers and get out of there with a win. And they did that. And then you set up the big game. And in a way, I look at this Michigan State game as larger than the Wisconsin game. 
teams will win the occasional fluky game against a top 25 opponent. I know Wisconsin was top 10 at that point, and that made it all the more remarkable. But to go on the road against a legit Big Ten team, and I know Michigan State is not the Michigan State of 2015 or 2013 for that matter. There are issues up there. But this is still a Michigan State team that will go bowling. It is still a team that I'd have to look at the recruiting rankings over the last three, four years. But I'm guessing, based on their previous success, they were out recruiting you. They were bigger and they were stronger. At least it looked that part for most of that game. But somehow at the end of it, this will to win, this fight, whatever sort of old cliches you want to throw on this Illini team, you would be fair to do so. Because they fought their butts off and they came back from a 28-3 to deficit when they could have been left for dead. Just as I left this team for dead at 2-4. and four. Which leads me to this quick discussion I wanted to have. On Twitter after the game, people are jubilant. I, I didn't know really how to process it and I even tweeted as much. I don't know how to process this. As an Illini fan, I was not accustomed to winning a game like that. One of those absolutely crazy Big Ten Network classic games where you were the team that made the comeback. You were not the ones that were heartbroken at the end of a crazy four-hour slugfest. But I'm jubilant. Illini fans in general were jubilant, even if they had been anti-Lovey Smith, even if they had been highly critical of the staff. And given the first 42 games, they had plenty of reasons to be critical of the staff and begin wondering, well, hold on a second. Is this thing going to work? I have been very vocal, maybe the most vocal. I don't know if we had to rank him. I might be the most vocal Levy critic since he got here because the first three years were so bad. And the evidence that I had on the field was telling me that this thing was not getting turned around. And the lack of recruiting momentum honestly compounded the issue. I thought, well, now it's not even selling to these young kids. Are they buying what Levy's selling? Clearly not. Oh my God, we're dead in the water. Here we go. And, and begrudgingly thinking we're going to have to have a coaching change. Okay, so you beat Michigan State. You're 6-4 and four on the year. We're watching something very special unfold. And my first reaction as a fan, as any fan would have, is jubilation. And texting with people, calling friends and family, and oh my God, can you believe this? Hey, do you want to go to the Iowa game? Let's do it. So does it make me a hypocrite to call it as I see it? to look at the first 42 games and be disappointed in what I saw and to be critical of the coaching staff and start thinking that maybe we need to go another direction. Is it hypocritical of me after those 42 games to then enjoy the fruits of what Lovey Smith and this team are doing right now? I don't think so. I don't. But Dave Wisnowski is a sports media guy on Twitter that we had on the Tay and Jay show on Tay and Carp many times and even met Dave a few times and have no personal beef or issues with him. But there was a tweet that he had afterwards that, paraphrasing here, said, all the haters need to apologize to Lovey Smith. Now, we've had discussions on the show before about Rod Smith after the Wisconsin game saying that, hey, you know, if you didn't believe in us, go root for the team up north. Again, paraphrasing. And how that sort of nanny nanny foo foo I told you so Twitter approach is not becoming of anyone I don't like the idea of ranking fandom I don't like the idea that anyone can be an arbiter of fandom and when I see that I am bothered by it maybe not personally but I just find it to be the lowest form of sports discourse the idea that you were critical of everything going on and therefore you owe somehow the coaching staff an apology for being critical and for saying that a change might need to be made. Those are things that I said many times. I stand by those comments given when I made them. Uh, things change. Thoughts evolve. There's no way you're making a coaching change now. I wouldn't make a coaching change now. And am I full on lovey? Well, I guess you could say so, because this dramatic turnaround tells me that something clicked. 
something is working, whatever that thing is, it is working right now. And you don't want to pull the plug on that and you won't pull the plug on that. So that's not even a discussion worth having. Uh, but what I did in this tweet response to Dave was essentially compare him to David Thiessen. Now, David Thiessen, for those who don't know, is this sort of, I think it's like a performance art piece, like Andy Kaufman doing the Tony Clifton thing. I can't tell if he's actually a real guy or not. Apparently he is. But back in the day, David Thiessen and I had many spirited Twitter debates, quote unquote, and I always got a kick out of it. And he is just this you know, hot-blooded Illini fan that if you say anything negative, you are a hater, you're a negative Nancy, you're a Debbie Downer, and it's, it's comical. I don't know if it's intentional comedy or not. If it is, it's a brilliant Twitter account. If this is performance art, really, it's brilliant. I don't think it is, though. So I, I looked at this from someone I've had on the Tay and Jay and Tay and Carp shows and interviewed and met personally, and I was disappointed, to be completely honest, to find someone that is a very active member of the Illini sports media discourse having a tweet like that. So my response was to poke fun at it. Uh, Dave and I had a back and forth on Sunday morning, and I was just trying to relate to him that the reason that I would respond in that way is that I think it's ridiculous for anyone to say, um, essentially rank fandom to assign it a value score and say, well, you were critical, therefore you don't get to enjoy this as much. Or on the other side, uh, you were critical and therefore you owe Lovey an apology. Now, whether or not that was hyperbole or whether or not that was actually right Lovey Smith an apology, I'm, I'm not sure if it was a demand or not. I don't understand how someone's mind could go to that in a moment where any Illini fan out there is just feeling the joy and jubilance of getting a huge win like that, to immediately have your mind go to this, well, there were haters, and you owe Lovey an apology. I, I just had a problem with it. And the way I responded to it was, again, like I said, to poke fun. Dave may have taken some offense to that, and I said to him on Twitter, and I mean this, that if there were any offense actually taken, that was not the intent. Uh, but for me, as someone that is part of this conversation, this Illini conversation, the one thing I want to make clear is that for myself or for other people that have been critical of Lovey Smith or Brad Underwood in this case, now that we're three games into the season and have had concerns, it's not as if I had these concerns based on nothing. I am not an inherently negative person. I am an optimist, despite how some people might paint my radio or podcasting persona. I'm, I am an optimist, but we would all agree that the last 10 years have really put Illinois sports in a dark place. I'm sure that there was an element of my criticisms that were rooted in this sort of despair, right? We haven't won in 10 years. Lovey's not winning right now, so we're never going to win. But then I tried to think, well, hold on. Was I being objective in my criticism to Lovey? And I think that when you look at the first 42 games and the sort of stagnation that you saw on the recruiting trail, they were fair. It has changed now. I'm happy that it's changed. I'm happy to eat crow. Illinois 6-4. and four. I'm happy. You're happy. Everybody's happy. Just seems like a peculiar kind of detour to take. This idea that, well, haters, you know, you owe someone an apology. First off, Levy Smith wouldn't care. Okay, this is a guy making $3.5 million a year, apparently having the time of his life, because I'm seeing a Lovey that is as happy as I can ever remember him being as a Bears coach. That stoicism that you have grown so accustomed to seeing with Lovey, now you're seeing a guy that, my God, he gets two Gatorade showers, and he has the smile on his face that I doubt has left in the last 48 hours. And why should it? You know, I mean, when, when you have a comeback like that in a season like this, you should be absolutely over the moon. I think he is. But... Illini fans should be over the moon too. 
there shouldn't be these detours into, well, you said this, you don't get to enjoy it as much. Every Illini fan should enjoy what we're seeing right now. This is truly a one-of-a-kind team that was 2-4, and four, looked bad doing it, and then all of a sudden looks pretty good. And the remarkable thing about what we saw on Saturday, one of many remarkable things, is that um, there are very few times in a, a fan's life where you get to experience something and you will remember every detail about where you were when you were watching that game unfold. My day went like this. Start of the game upstairs, watching it with Kara. She has her Michigan State stuff on. I got my Illini stuff on. And we're just sort of watching Brian Lewerke do his thing, which in the first half, Lewerke, who we've joked about, me and Kara, about how he's not that good of a quarterback. Well, he's looking pretty good in the first half. And Illinois' offense is not looking very good. A lot of three and outs, uh, keeping the defense on the field, and the defense is getting shredded. I come downstairs to play guitar for a little bit to get my mind off of it. I get cleaned up and we say, well, let's go to dinner someplace. This is in the third quarter. It's 31 to 10. We go to this place in downtown Champaign, Hank's Table. They got burgers, milkshakes. It's kind of like this throwback American diner style food. And it was perfect. You know, we sat at the bar and said to ourselves, well, we might want the game on. Just why not? You know, and pretty much immediately after we sat down, it's 31 to 17. At that point, I tweet out very quickly, you know, let's just score one more time for funsies. Let's make this interesting. Make it a one-possession game and what the heck. And they do very quickly after that. Uh, Kara is watching very quietly. I am making sure to check myself to not gloat. I don't like gloaters. I certainly don't want to be one. So I'm, I'm muted this whole time. I'm doing, you know, maybe fist pumps and turning away from her so she doesn't see my celebrations as these things are unfolding. Now it's 31-24. Well, then all of a sudden, it's 31 to 30. Sidney Brown returns it, and then you miss the extra point. And I, I'm smiling after the touchdown, and I'm still smiling after the extra point, thinking, oh, my God, we're doing the Illinois thing. I felt like Lenny from that Simpsons episode where he gets the facelift, and his, he cannot remove the smile from his face, right? Uh, because otherwise, I just would have been in total anguish when that extra point is missed. Plenty of time left in the game, though. Uh, for me, the, the, the crucial moments, as I said before, were stopping Michigan State on that third down to force a field goal in the first place. You get them to kick that field goal, and you're only down four. You know that you need to score a touchdown. Certainly, it wipes the field goal to tie it off of the board, but it actually was advantageous for Illinois. They had to be aggressive after they got that 4th and 16 conversion. And that's the play right there, 4th and 16, right? You go into a 4th and 16, I don't care what the situation is, thinking, well, nothing really good is going to come of this. So at that point, and I'm sure other Illini fans can relate, I had sort of accepted the fact that, God, man, this, it's going to end like this, and how am I going to feel about it? I'm going to be disappointed. Um, maybe I'll try to find the moral victory out of this, but, God, I really wanted that win. Oh, no big deal. Josh, Josh catches it. And then not long after that, you get Dre to take it all the way down to the one-yard line, and you're thinking, holy crap, we're going to win this. It felt like those last six plays lasted about 10 minutes in real time. I'd have to check the clock and see how many minutes actually elapsed in real time, but it took forever. And the fourth and goal to Caleb Reams. I hate fade patterns. I really do. It worked out because Brandon Peters put it where only Caleb Reams could catch it, and the only other alternative, if he didn't catch it, was maybe getting that pass interference. So, okay, risky play call. I don't like the fade routes, but it worked there. It worked beautifully. Fresh set of downs at the one. Okay, now we're going to punch it in. First play, the run gets stuffed. 
clock is running and my heart is beating faster thinking, oh my God, you, you want to make sure that you can get three more plays off. Give yourself as many opportunities as you can to get in the end zone. Brandon Peters on the second and goal. He's rolling right. He's rolling right. The mobility serves him well. I love the fact that they got him out of the pocket. So worst case, he throws it out of bounds, right? Worst case. Daniel Barker is just standing there. And it just was that extra quarter second where the Michigan State defender, oh, now he's going to his left, and there's Barker just standing there. It almost looks too easy, right? It's in slow motion, but Peters, he darts it in there. Barker, standing still, makes the catch. Delayed reaction, three, four seconds before I finally realized, holy crap, we took the lead. We just took the lead. Now, make the extra point just in case Michigan State gets a field goal position. But even after that, as an Illini fan, you know, those five seconds left on the clock, no hook and ladders, no crazy kick returns. I know that the game doesn't lend itself to kick returns that much anymore and that Illinois special teams have been very good. I'm thinking, well, maybe you just kick it out of bounds and give Michigan State the ball at the 40 and say, try your Hail Mary. No, Illinois just kicks it off normally. And they were further back because of the the stupid penalty that they called on Barker. Come on. The kid's not going to celebrate after getting the game-leading touchdown. Anywho. So Illinois kicks it deep, I think, their own 20-yard line. Michigan State gets it at their uh, own 30. And the return starts, but very quickly, I'm like, well, we're swarming this guy. Wait, he's not going anywhere. Hey, we tackled him. Wait, there's one. uh, There's zero seconds on the clock. Holy crap, we did it. And that's the other thing. We talked earlier about how liberal the uh, timekeepers are in football. And I think that the clock did run out fully. He, it, it felt like he went down with one second to go. And I'm thinking, oh, God, they're going to have a shot. But no, I, then I see zeros across the board. Illinois runs on the field. There's no little yellow icon on the bottom of the screen that says flag. Which, by the way, weren't you guys waiting for that little yellow flag icon to show up after the Barker touchdown? I, I was thinking, don't be a hold. Anytime a quarterback rolls out, I always get a little bit, uh, you know, a little tense thinking that maybe a lineman held and then we're going to have to move this thing back and do it again. No, none of those things happen. Yeah, you missed the extra point. Yeah, you had the red zone interception when he could have taken the lead in the first place. Uh, but even with all those mistakes, and there were plenty on Saturday, this was not an A-plus game for Illinois, but it was an A-plus comeback. And it was an A-plus fourth quarter, more importantly, even with those couple mistakes you had. Because while you might have had those two mistakes, key mistakes in the fourth quarter, you had about 20 other plays that put you in position to win that game. It's like the inverse of when Tim Beckman talked about, we were 17 plays away from winning at Washington. That was back in 2014. Well, in this one, you made all 17 of those plays. And basically all of them were in the fourth quarter. It's remarkable. I got excited just talking about it again and thinking, you know, we as Illini fans, I've, I've said before, we've been robbed of so much joy and fun on our college football Saturdays. And it's not like one six and four start to a season is going to erase all that. You know, we, we need consistency. We need to make bowl games regularly to turn this thing around to a point where Illinois football is relevant. That's all I ask for is relevance, even if it's not nationally, relevance in conference. That someone sees Illinois in the schedule and they say, ooh, okay, are we playing road, home game? Oh, God, how many guys they got returning? I want to be relevant like that. But for where we are right now, just that moment on Saturday, the hour in real time of Illinois making that comeback and completing the comeback made up for a lot of pain. I'll use that word, pain. I know sports pain is different than real-life hardships, okay? Uh, Money issues, health issues, sports pain in comparison to that. But sports have this weird way of being able to supplement either your happiness or your anguish. 
I remember distinctly in 2008, I was a senior at the U of I and college can be tough for people. It was tough for me. And I was just having a bad semester in general. Illinois loses on the road to Western Michigan and I'm closing out my bill at legends. And the bartender says to me, are you okay? Cause clearly on my face, I had this, you know, thousand yard stare and I looked miserable and I was like, yeah, I'm fine. And then I start walking back to the apartment. I'm like, I'm freaking miserable and because I was just reminded in this terrible loss to Western Michigan that I, you know, I'm bummed right now and this game just bummed me out even more. Well, and then you flip it over, right? Where when you have a team that pulls off something like this and you get a witness it and you know that you just made a memory, that this team made a memory for you, that you get to keep that in your back pocket forever. The Michigan State game will always be in my back pocket as a Illini fan. For me, it honestly felt like a bit of a, not makeup, but I wasn't here for the Wisconsin game. It was a friend's wedding, so I didn't get to experience that. But even if I had, I don't think I would have had the same amount of joy as I did with this Michigan State game. Wisconsin game was a one-off at the time. The Michigan State game, as it stands right now, is sort of the completion of an arc that this team has taken. I talk about story arc to my sixth grade kids. This was the climax The Michigan State game was the climax. Now, I'm hoping that the falling resolution is that you beat Iowa. Hey, why not? And you certainly beat Northwestern. And worst case, in with a 7-5 record, above 500 in the Big Ten. Above 500 in the Big Ten for the first time since 2007. Because keep in mind, in 2010, you were 4-4. In 2011, you were 2-6, despite being 6-6 overall. So... Yeah, over 500 in the Big Ten for the first time since 2007. Four consecutive Big Ten wins for the first time since 2001, the Sugar Bowl year where they won seven in a row. You have a chance to go six in a row in the Big Ten with these next two games. We don't get this very much. Enjoy it. Relish it. I love the bye week. I get to watch games on Saturday thinking to myself, hey, we got a pretty good team right here. I get to watch the Iowa-Minnesota game and actually do a bit of a scouting report and just see, well, okay, I was doing this, I was doing that, which I love the fact they have a marquee game before Illinois and then your typical rivalry game against Nebraska the weekend after. I love the timing of it. Not that Iowa will be sleepwalking through it, and I've had plenty of other times in my life where I look at an Iowa-Illinois game and think, it's going to be competitive, right? And then I get the rug pulled out from under me. But I think with Illinois getting healthy over this bye week, with Iowa looming and the timing of this as well. Just like I looked at the Michigan State game and thought the timing was ripe for an upset. So many ingredients go into that. I think a lot of those are playing in Illinois' favor going into next week. Look at me talking about Illinois maybe going 8-4 and in the regular season. Could you imagine? If they beat Iowa, uh, this, this is all of a sudden vaulting over 1999. And this is not quite Rose Bowl. Of course it's not. Going to the Rose Bowl is very special. You beat number one on the road that year. One of the best wins in Illini football history. But keep in mind that if this team goes 8-4, and four, that would be better than 1999 regular season because they went 7-4 and four in that regular season. And there's only two teams that have been better. Sugar Bowl, Rose Bowl. So if the idea was, I saw this on Twitter. I wish I could attribute it to who said it. The Lovey Smith formula. Year one, lose big. Year two, lose big. Year three, lose big. Year four, win. And I remember the Ron Zook model was lose big, lose small, win small. Though, of course, that third year, they just went out and made the Rose Bowl of all things. But um, it, it is just remarkable. Uh, none of us could have anticipated this. If you say that you did, you're lying. If you said that you knew Lovey Smith was going to turn this around and you felt that way after the Eastern Michigan, the Nebraska games, 
even the Michigan game in that second half, if your thought after that Michigan second half was, I think we've turned a corner, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to subscribe to your newsletter and find out what you know about sports that I don't. Because having watched it for so many years, I've always tried to evaluate things based on what I see. And it's just a different team. This is a different team. It's like a switch turned on, and I don't know what did it, but all I know is that the ride is incredible. I'm loving it. And I do want to personally, I'm not going to apologize. No, no, no. (laughs) I'm not going to write a letter to Lovey. He wouldn't read it anyway, nor should he. He's got bigger fish to fry than reading Fanboy Carp's apology letter. But I will thank him. I will thank Lovey Smith. I'll thank this staff. I'll thank Miles Smith, who, yes, I have one after him because I thought it was nepotism. And maybe it was, but guess what? It's working. Miles Smith, Rod Smith, Corey Patterson, Mike Bellamy back in the fold, anyone on that coaching staff, the kids, some of them Cubit recruits, some of them Beckman recruits, you know, fifth, sixth year guys that are now finally getting a taste of success. For me as a fan, it's a whole lot of fun. I can't imagine what they're feeling. The sense of accomplishment after working so hard and essentially it is just the Charlie Brown football trick, right? Lucy continued to take that football away at the last second from these guys, keeping them from having that enjoyment and getting to enjoy that success. And then in four weekends in a row, in one month's time, Illinois football goes from, oh my God, we're going to have to go get another coach to when are we going to build that statue for Lovey? Maybe that's a bit of hyperbole, but I will end my thoughts on Illinois football with this. Steve Breitweiser and I, in the first episode of the relaunch of the 200 level, he posed a theory, which I think is interesting, that this team makes a bowl game, next year's team makes a bowl game, and there's a baton handoff, right? Listen, Lovey Smith is not the oldest coach in the world. He's one of the healthier looking coaches that I've ever seen. He could coach for another 10, 15 years if he wanted to. But one theory I always thought was interesting for a guy that had been a a lifer in pro football, for one that for three and a half years, it didn't seem like college football was necessarily a fit, was this idea that Lovey Smith was the stabilizer. And I think for a lot of us, we felt like that was all we wanted, stabilization. We knew that Lovey would be a steady force, that, that stoicism would actually lend itself well to a football program that had had some goons as your coach. No offense, Tim Beckman. I mean, nice guy, but kind of a goon. And that you would kind of calm the waters and find find your footing. And then, as Lon, good friend Lon Tay said, the next hire would be the big one. I do think there's still a path to that. I know it's premature to guess that Lovey would only be here for another couple of years. But let's say he does make the bowl game this year and then follows it up with another one the year after that. Maybe he sticks around for another 10 years and says, this is my thing. This is my coda in my coaching career, and it'd certainly be a successful one if he can turn Illinois into a relevant Big Ten team. Or he says, I've done my job. Thank you, guys. And then Josh Whitman gets to go out and make a hire with great facilities, a stabilized football program that makes bowl games, and the resources that I don't think... I mean, listen, if he was able to get Lovey Smith for where Illinois football was at in 2016... You give Josh Whitman in 2021 or 2022 a football program that's made a few consecutive bowl games with the financial resources that you have and the facilities you have, all of a sudden you are not scraping the barrel for a coach. All of a sudden, you are an attractive destination. So I'm thinking worst case scenario now for Lovey, if he makes a bowl game next year as well, worst case scenario for the Lovey Smith era at Illinois is that you do in fact stabilize things. And that you do, in fact, put yourself in a position to go out and make that next hire to continue the progress. 
onward and upward. And uh, if that's how it turns out to be, Josh Whitman, who I've always been a fan of him. I like his approach. He made two hires in Lovey and Brad Underwood that I would have made myself. Um, it, it would be very nice to see one of Illinois' own as athletic director have that success, parlay that into further success, and we look back on this Lovey Smith era as, ah, that was the one that got us back. And maybe that's what we'll see. Going to save the Illini basketball conversation for when I get Lon, Harry, and Trevor in here, but uh, this is really going to be mostly an Illini football podcast because when you have a moment like that on Saturday, you're just going to relive it as much as you can, and that's what we'll do. This is a size episode of the 200 level, and excited to bring this to you all in a week where we don't have a game on Saturday. You can consume this one even into next week if you really wanted to, because what awaits next is Illinois versus Iowa, another opportunity, and Already, I would use the word special for this team, but my God, that becomes all caps, 72-point font special if they go up to Iowa and get that win as well. All right, so Lante was going to join us today, but unfortunately, Mother Nature did not cooperate. He had to pick up Andrew from school a little bit early, so we will get Lon on soon enough. If I mentioned that earlier in this opening segment, that is my bad for that. But the good news is that Harry and Trevor are back, the three of us. We have not done a segment together, I think, in three weeks, and we have plenty of good news to talk about. We will talk about Illinois basketball as well, but let's be real. As Illinois football is continuing to ride this wave, we're going to continue to ride it with them. All right, without further ado, it is Harry Black, Trevor Belize the 200 level. I don't know. He said he'd be here. Well, it's snowing. Guys, 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 guys. Guys, they, oh, okay. Sorry, guys, guys. They, they put cheese in the crust. They find, they put the cheese inside of the crust. Like pizza? Yeah, yeah. Are you talking about stuffed crust? No, they, they no, 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 no. Okay, because they took the cheese. They still have cheese on the pizza, but the cheese is on the inside of the crust now. They put the... That, they, that, that's stuffed crust, and that's probably older than you. You're just now discovering this? Guys, Illinois looks pretty good. I'll tell you, four in a row? That's true. That's actually pretty impressive. My (laughs) goodness. A flying start on the 200 level. Oh, my God. With Trevor and Harry. Oh, you guys are going. Okay, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) A blizzardy Monday. Lousy smarch weather, as we like to say around here. Of course, brought to you by DP Doe. You can order online for all the best deals and prices at dpdoe.com. And uh, they got this thing called the Hotbox coming up. I guess we are only about 50 days away from 2020, which means in the state of Illinois... The old Mary Jane, the old Uh recreational marijuana. (laughs) So maybe why uh, is there a J in it if it's not you know? No, that's just how Mr. Mackey said it on South Park. Yeah, yeah, marijuana's but I mean a J pronounced like that is Hispanic. Is marijuana a Hispanic word? I don't know. Maybe it it is Spanish because like the Hua sound is yeah. Well, yeah, like Juan, Juarez, Juana. Yeah. Uh, Well, anyways, that's DP Doe. That's Jesus. January 1st, though. And then, of course, you also got Fourth and Kirby for all your vintage-inspired Illini hats, apparel. They have a new crew neck sweatshirt just in time for Illinois basketball season. And we'll get to basketball in a bit, but we're still in football mode. Oh, yeah. FourthandKirby.com. And, of course, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at BrianIsMyGuy.com. Not just serving Champaign-Urbana, but all of East Central Illinois. So we are here today for Million Dollar Bebe. 
which that title seemed to go pretty well on Twitter. I like so people it. like it. And it was tough, though, because that game on Saturday, there were so many heroes. Sidney Brown oh, gets God. Defensive Player of the Week in the Big Ten, deservedly so. Two picks, 11 tackles, one touchdown. Then you get Co-Offensive Player of the Week, and I think it's fair considering how well the Minnesota, Minnesota quarterback played. He had two played. incompletions in that game. That was pretty impressive. Insanely good. But Is it I, weird that, I, just as an aside, I still don't like him or Minnesota? You don't like don't like them like, as a like team, I, I or you don't take, think like, they're like oh Tanner Morgan. I still don't like him. So you you aren't buying stock just yet, Minnesota, or is it that you I don't guess. like them as a team, or you no, don't? No, like... it's not like I dislike them as as people. I just you think as a... A, like if someone said to I me do, right however. now, would you take Tanner Morgan on your team? I'd go, eh, I guess. Oh, well, like, yeah, but but he's had like three games this year where he's had like one incompletion the entire game. How about the fact that Illinois is the second best team that Minnesota's beaten? No kidding, right? Yeah, yeah. That Illinois <laughs> loss for Wisconsin, someone said, is a quality loss for them now. <laughs> it is. Well, Josh Matterbebe, co-offensive player of the week, again much deserved. Four catches, all of them just monster catches in that game against Michigan State, and the big one. And I said this, I had to actually go back. <laughs> Which one's the big one? Fourth and sixteen. That okay. I had to go back and actually take a piece out of the opening segment, which I rarely, that's the second time I've ever done it, and this time was for accuracy. Here's where I screwed up, Harry. I said it reminded me of a fourth and 26. Oh, yep. But for some reason in my mind, I was thinking Brett Favre was the one that threw that. It was no, actually. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. It was McNabb threw it to Freddie Mitchell. That's right. I was Freddie at that game. I was thinking of the Ravens one. Oh, that was fourth and 29. That was oh, Ray Rice. Fourth okay. and 26 was, and this is, we're not going to talk Eagles because there's no reason to, but fourth Fair and enough. 26 was 2003, 2004 season. Uh, uh, divisional round, Eagles were uh, trying to get into field goal range late. They had fourth and 26. Um, it was like, you know, and last you were there, gap. you said. I was, I was there. pretty cool. And um, they completed it like 28 yards to Freddie Mitchell. Only play he ever had as an Eagle that was really worthwhile. And uh, got them into field goal range. They get the field goal. Brian Dawkins has an interception in overtime off of Favre. Where have we heard that before? An interception by Brett Favre to end his season. Um, and, you know, they get back into field goal range, kick the game-winning field goal. So how about this? I was thinking, I said this last week, that if there is a win at Michigan State, there will be another signature moment to add to the video montage. We will inevitably see, for the Northwestern game for sure, but also all of next year when they compile that video montage. We got it. I think it's the 4th and sixteen. You could look at the Sidney Brown return touchdown. You could look at the 86-yard. You could look at the Hail Mary. The Hail Mary, of course. And the touchdown. Obviously the touchdown. Obviously the touchdown, too. You could look at... Um, I just thought to myself, it can't just be James McCourt's kick. No offense to kicks. <laughs> but kicks are not really... You know, it's just it happens, and then it's over. Yeah. And the people celebrate. Plus, but there's... as an aside, because that it was on that end of the field, there's only the one camera angle of it, and it's not great quality for whatever reason. Yeah. You know what are I mean? Are we talking the Wisconsin game now? Yeah, so like yeah. The, the, the view of his kick from behind him is not great because you can't necessarily tell where the ball goes yeah i guess that's fair so we have our signature moment yeah i think that's the is signature the moment of the 16 i fourth and so. 16 i think i'm i'm still sticking with the field goal just be i don't know I mean, why it, some people say it's witherspoon tackling the guy at the one well that's kind of funny because he actually blew that coverage and you know right if he had made the tackle in the first place they probably wouldn't come down but how about how about near misses on the subject of that you say that he blew the coverage only to make the shoestring tackle yeah well james mccourt misses the field goal actually only to yeah. take the decision out of lovey smith's hands that we aren't going to kick we got to win it yeah and thank goodness because i even yeah. thought to myself that as good as things were going in the second half i didn't want overtime i just Agreed. felt like the i love college overtime but you are always chancing it oh yeah definitely. one bad play it's over right so uh, I, I thought let's just get this in regulation and when you're down four with the ball and you know what you have to do there's no two options there's one option and there was a clarity that i that kind of made the last three minutes of the game um 
easier to take in a weird way. Fourth and 16, I thought it was dead in the water. But after that fourth and 16, for me, it was just a matter of, well, they're going to punch it in, right? I mean, clearly they're going to win. Yeah, well, when Dre had that, it was a kind of a screenplay to get him down to the one. As soon as he threw that, my thought was just, because I saw it developing, I thought, don't throw that. And then they throw it, and he has... I think two great blocks to kind of spring at him. I'm just like, run, get in there. And then you get down to the one. And my thought process was, well, now, you know, just try to, it's a matter of time. Then you have the first down play. Michigan State starts calling their timeouts after those plays. Yeah. So then you have the first down play. And I'm thinking. Just a botched play. Yeah. So I'm thinking. I don't know what the play call was, but it was just ruined because he fell down. You think scratch that, just get it the next time. At that moment when he fell. And I feel, I feel bad for Peters because he took a beating on Saturday. He did. And I know he's been maligned and sometimes rightly so for holding on to the ball too long. But that happens and the way he just sort of, Whoa, I'm thinking, <laughs> no, man, like, don't, don't Illinois right. this. Yeah, 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 don't yeah. do it now. I second down then. Second down. It's they, a QB blast. Which I didn't mind because they've kind of done that a couple right, times Right, but like with the game on the line, are you, I, I don't mean to criticize right off the yeah. bat, but the play calling on the first series before the pass interference that gave you a new first down, I didn't like any of those plays. Now, obviously, the first one was just ruined because yeah. he fell. But when you've got Dre Brown, who clearly can just bully his way for yeah. as many yards as possible, and you're at the three, and your choice is to let Dre Brandon run it in, I just yeah. don't understand. No, that, I agree, because that was a yard and a half. When yeah. it was first right. and goal, that was not inches. That was a yard and a half, and I'm thinking, And maybe okay, that original first down play call it probably was to have was. him punch it in. It probably was, and then you think, well, now we're back a little bit, because... It's weird to say, but first and goal from the two is worlds different than first and that. goal from the one. Yeah, for you, sure. You can fall in from the one yard line. And again, somehow the mistake worked out in Illinois' favor because say they punch it in with 45 seconds left and Michigan State doesn't back. use any of their timeouts because that would have been first down before they used Amazing. one. They'd have 45 seconds and three timeouts. <laughs> I, did, I didn't even yeah. Instead, that, yeah. Peters falls back, then they call a timeout, and then another bump, bumbled play and a timeout, and then the pass interference, you get a third, new first down. Third down was batted down at the line of scrimmage, right? Yeah. Correct. And then fourth and goal from the five still. Right. You and go, yeah. I, I hated the fade call, but I guess you, you go got for the pass Caleb. interference. What, so. When he threw the, pa- the, uh, the, the fade, I thought... I, I didn't see who it was, but I just thought that must be going to Bebe. And he goes right. to, to Caleb. Who, who made had, a few great He made a really good drive. catch earlier in the game. And I just, when I saw that afterwards, I was like, well, you know, I, he's the coach. He's making the call. But I'm just surprised with the amount of big-time plays that Josh had had earlier in that game. I, I'm kind of surprised he didn't go to him. Now, luckily, you get that pass interference. Is it weird to say, after the third down play, going through my mind was, I, I, I said it out loud, and thank God I was wrong, but I said it out loud uh, to Tori. I said, they're not going to get it. They're not going to get it. And then as soon as the ball was snapped, I didn't think they were going to get it. I just thought, because you kind of see him go for the uh, go for the fade. You tell it's a fade right well, away. Yeah. I'm groaning because I don't like well, fades, yeah. period. I'm see- yeah, I think that's sure. better to do on like second down or third down. because then you, you should have- not do it at all, but continue. Okay, well, they do it, and as he's doing that, I'm just kind of, I have a a split second flash of the uh, of the Nebraska game, Geronimo Allison, and yeah. I thought, and I didn't think touchdown, I didn't think incompletion, I thought pass interference. That's how you win this game, and then it happens. I'm like, oh, they have it, but then they got it. Y- you got it, and <laughs> yeah. in that, and that, but then they still, but didn't then, get it. yeah, they didn't get it. So now you have first and goal after the pass interference, and I'm thinking, okay, fresh set of right. downs. I think at this time you have about 30 seconds, yep. no timeouts. Correct. But I thought, well, that's okay. You can still run it here as long as you know to get back, but I think there might have been a substitution that that's, was made. That's oh, so, when they made the substitution. I, again, I hate to start this off with criticisms because this was an amazing, the greatest comeback ever in Illinois yeah. history, but 
it's amazing that they were able to win despite all these things that were oh, laying out, right? Because after all those bumbled play calls that I didn't understand, you get lucky with the pass interference. It looked like both guys were grabbing each other. I think Matt Millen said it could have gone either way. It's one of those things where if you called it offensive pass interference, you might not be able to argue that either. So then you get the first down and you substitute, which is something that was used to your advantage earlier in the game. Yeah. It's something Lovey likes to do when the other team substitutes to take your time to substitute. Oh, God. Can you imagine the outcry if oh. you don't get it? Because even in the middle of that play, Matt Millen and Kevin Kugler are saying, what are they doing? Well, yeah. here's the thing, too, is that now it's second and goal. The clock gets down about 10 seconds. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, there won't be two plays after this. Now you're down to an, a situation where you there's probably one play at most after that after play. this. Yeah. Now, because there were five seconds on the clock when yeah. Barker caught yes. it. Thank God they rolled Peters out. Because worst case in that, you do throw it out of the back True. of the end zone to get another True. shot. But even then, you would have one more shot but that play develops I, I like Peters in space anyways he he is he's really good on the run he, he really is and then there's Barker and the ease with which it happened um, I said in the opening segment that in moments like that there's a three second delayed reaction for me where I can't fully process that nothing wrong happened first I'm looking right, for a for flag, me it's a flag oh, right? yeah. Yeah. I thought there's, maybe stepped on the back line in the back of the end zone there was two oh, man. that would have been awful I there hadn't was even considered that two plays or two things in that play that I saw afterwards and one it took me a day to see Dre Brown had the block of the game because they're rolling out and he kind of cuts this linebacker or defensive end who has a clear shot to to Brandon Peters, takes him completely out of mm -hmm. it. So now Brandon has a wide open uh, view of the end zone. Then there's a camera on the uh, in the back looking towards uh, Peters. So you see Barker coming across and you can see the defender is in front of him. He's looking at Peters. He's kind of mirroring mirroring him. Barker sees that and stops he completely stops and that's what opened him up because then you can kind of see because afterwards the defender puts his hands in his head he sees yeah, that you, he, he collapsed he looked yeah, like oh, oh i felt man, I just you know that for as great as it was for illinois i did feel a little bad for him because everyone's looking at that saying you just you know you cost them the game mm -hmm. Though, in his defense, Michigan State just found a million ways to cost themselves the game. For yeah. every comeback, there was a collapse, and we saw both sides of the coin on Saturday. But, the, again, the ease with – he's just standing there. They're just playing a game of catch. And, yeah. and Peters, to his credit, he zips it in there to not chance anything. It wasn't like he just right. wafted it there. That's he, a fade. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, he, he got it in there pretty quick. And, yeah. But I'm just thinking, in Barker's mind, you're standing still – it's almost like oh, you're too open. They right? always say, you're too open. They always say that that is one of the hardest catches to make in football because when you are going up for it, if you're you know Josh on the Hail Mary or Josh on the um, on the fourth and sixteen, if you're going up for it, it's almost instinctual. Whereas yeah. if you're standing there and it's coming right at you, you you're just thinking. I mean, it's it happened to uh, what was his name? The the tight end for the um, for the Cowboys in a Super Bowl back in the seventies. It's a famous clip where Staubach hits him in the chest and it bounces off and hits the ground. They have to end up going for a field goal. They lose by four. So it, catching the ball when you are wide open, they always say is the hardest play to make, mm -hmm. or at least for a receiver. Yeah, I could see that. Sort of rem reminiscent of when Tracy Abrams had a path to the basket against Michigan. Big Ten Tournament oh, 2013. Yeah. yeah, the floater that he missed, right? Yeah, the floater. It's like he got he there. wide and open for all the of a sudden, floater and he's he left like, it short. Yeah, he's probably thinking there's no one here. What the hell? I got, you know, and, and then he processed It's disconcerting that. to an athlete to see open space in front of or behind you, right? Yeah. Because you're like, oh, wait, usually I have to work for that. It's not yeah. just there for me. Well, yeah. Did I text you guys? I couldn't remember in the opening segment or not. Did I text you that this was the longest five seconds left on a clock ever? Like, I felt like everything was a did. daze at that point. But I do remember thinking to myself, at least then, that 
I know there's only five seconds, and I know in this college football game we don't see returns, and I know this Michigan State team of all teams, the way they're playing right now, they don't have Devin Hester part two back there. They don't. But nonetheless, you still, yeah. I still need the clock to get to zero. And for some reason in my mind, Wisconsin and Michigan State had a game where Michigan State won on a Hail Mary at the end. Oh, yeah, they God, did. They right. did five years ago in yeah. in the end zone that would have won it. For, and for some reason, I was just picturing that, thinking, "Oh God, please don't let." And instead, I, and I tweeted this, and we talked about it. But instead, they just run the kickoff back to like the thirty, start aimlessly yeah. kind of running around, and then just fall down. And like, they had the benefit <laughs> of Illinois being another fifteen yards back right. because they called that. Well, not maybe not bogus, but come on, Barker celebrated. Why would he not? Right. And yeah. then you get 15 yards tacked on to your kickoff. You're kicking off in the 20 now. I, just, I don't understand. And again, it's like whatever at that point because it already collapsed and it was clear that the game was over. But I don't understand why you don't just call a fair catch or something and give yourself at least a chance to throw a hook and ladder I, or something. I was thinking, do you just kick it out of bounds? Oh, no, 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 well, no, no. then you no, put no, them no. at the 40, though. I, I, yeah. get, I get that. But I'm just saying, what has the higher percentage of actually scoring? A Hail Mary or a kickoff return? I think a Hail Mary does. Yeah. The ball can bounce around. We've seen more Hail Marys than we I mean, both of them, it's like, it's, 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 picking the lesser of two evils if you're Michigan State because it's like saying okay we have a 1% chance on a Hail Mary we have a 0.5% chance on a um on a kickoff return but you've seen more Hail Marys bounce around than you have the pitching plays you know, I think right. I forget if there's some kind of term for that but actually I was a little bit behind you guys so you I was were massively behind Yeah us. yeah well I was watching I was streaming it I gotcha, so yeah. I didn't have it on the channel so I put my phone down and after they got the touchdown I pick it back up and Carb, you said something like after the t you had said, you know, yes, 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 we scored. And then before the kickoff, you said, oh, my God. And I thought, what happened? <laughs> what could have possibly happened? Man, we it was could, a happy we could have really tortured Harry. I didn't know. I didn't realize the uh, mental game of him being what, 90 seconds behind. Well, what was what was your viewing experience for me and Kara? We went to Hank's table. I was very muted in all my responses because, again, for every great comeback, there was a great collapse. And as a Michigan State fan, oh, she, yeah, she's watching this unfold and thinking the D'Antonio era may be, you know, evaporating before our eyes. But for me, Hank's table, I'll, it's one of those things that when I'm 40 which is only seven years away. Let's go more than that. Uh, when I'm 60, <laughs> if you say, where were you for that game? And say, well, I was yeah. at this place called Hank's Table and watching on TV with, uh, of course, Kara, who loves Michigan State and blah, blah, blah. For you guys, the watching experience, what was your, how did you consume that game? Well, I was watching it on TV. I, what was it? Um, It was on FS1, so I was watching right. it on Fox Sports. Luckily, the uh, the streaming device I have doesn't play it if it's on local TV. The Wisconsin-Iowa game was on local TV, so I didn't have to worry about maybe finding a third party to view it from, so I was just watching it just with a little bit of a delay. Which, by the way, the third party viewing was a problem, I think, for the Illinois-Arizona game, right? It seemed like it on Twitter. Yeah, um, it was weird. Usually a third party source is pretty reliable but i had fine internet and it just kept glitching kept dropping okay. it, was, it was not a good experience but so, continue so i was watching it and i actually i was uh, i chose saturday to kind of make some practice run foods for thanksgiving i made a uh, what was it an apple challah stuffing wow I actually didn't turn out that's pretty good it was pretty good but i think i'm gonna make the cornbread one i made last year and i made the banana cream pie that i make every year of course which was insane so they both take a little bit of time there was a play when you're down 28 to 3 and they uh they, they throw a play they throw the pass and they get down to like around the 4 yard line and I don't turn Michigan it off State does? Yeah yeah and they don't turn it off but I put it on mute I'm just kind of thinking eh, you know do I really want to see this so I go over and I, into the kitchen I start doing stuff keeping an uh, eye out for what's happening 
I see that we have the ball back. And it's still 28 to 3. It's still 28 to 3. And I'm like, oh, maybe they fumbled it or something, which turned out Stanley Green got an interception. I go back into the um, um, I go back into the kitchen and then I come back in a couple minutes and I see we still have the ball. So I didn't know that there was uh, two interceptions. I didn't know that we punted it and then they got the ball back and Stanley Green or no, uh, Cindy Brown intercepted Cindy it Brown's again. first. Yeah. Yeah. His first one. And then you see it kind of it, it the, the Hail Mary, which wasn't even really a Hail Mary because he was the only one down there. Well, I always think Hail Mary is like yeah. you know, a mass of people Send down there. four dudes and just yeah, hope yeah. for the best. But, you know, he goes up there and he gets it. And I just think, wow, that's, you know, 28 to 10 instead of 35 to 3. And it right. mattered. It's it, not nothing. <laughs> it's not nothing. It, it was a very Randy Moss against the Cowboys kind of game. He had four catches and all but one of them was massive. I don't even remember what the other one was. It's probably like, what, like a five-yard catch or something. It seemed to me like the Michigan game, right? Because that a was the like exact it. same thing where you're down 28 nothing, and then you yeah. go to the half 28-7 and then suddenly you start coming yeah, back so in the second half. It's 28-10. And then... Nothing really happens in the third quarter, and that's the thing for me. Go, I mean, yeah, continue. yeah, it's true. It was 15 minutes where I think Michigan State got their field goal, right? But so it was 31 10 entry, 31 to 10. Right. So like you get your first interception to stop them from making it 35 three, and I think okay, well there's the turnover score. Well they don't, they punt it back to them. So it's like oh okay, this isn't happening. Yeah, now you do score off the second turnover, but then you carry that momentum into the third quarter, and absolutely nothing, nothing. happens in the third quarter. The momentum the third carried quarter only... ends, and it's still 31-10. Yeah. Well, what it did carry over to, I guess, would have been the defense. Sure. Where they were no, you're just, right. That's true. They, they were just keeping, they were keeping it within them arm's length, right? right? But but still, I go, you know, I'm thinking like, okay, going into the fourth quarter, you've already gotten your turnovers, right. and it's still 31-10. Right, because like most games, they get lately at least they've gotten a few turnovers that have kind of turned the tide. The few turnovers in the first half didn't turn the tide, and then nothing happened in the third quarter. And I'm thinking, oh well, you kind of blew your chance there. Yeah. So this becomes a little bit hazy for me. Fourth quarter starts. It's 31 to 10. Now the first, the first touchdown. Yeah. Was that the 86 yard pass? That was 83. But yeah, it was the first 83, one. Thank you. Okay, so 83 are past the Josh. stiff arm, by the way. Oh, my God. Oh, there's a gif where he pushes his head down, and when his head hits the ground, it like twists like <laughs> 90 degrees around like a like an owl. I tweet out at that moment, let's score one more for funsies, make it a game, you know, two-possession game, and Michigan State had not been doing anything on offense, and I thought, okay, this is interesting at least, and we're sitting at the bar, and we got that on, and then we have the crazy Alabama-LSU game on, too. That was another great game, but... I mean, it, it's crazy to think that the fourth quarter of the Illinois-Michigan State game, entertainment-wise, was on par with the fourth quarter yeah. of the LSU-Alabama game. Yeah. But see, We're then, just a casual football fan. Then Lewerke fumbles, right? Correct. And you get it back at, like, the six, and I'm thinking, holy cow. You well, can tie it. Was this the... I thought well, we had no gotten that when You got the Reggie yeah, yeah, yeah. Corbin touchdown to yeah. make it 31-24. Right. That's then, right. Okay. After that but is My point is, you get another turnover, and you throw an interception off of it. A bad And I throw. just... For some reason, I just kept thinking up until, like, the last five minutes of that game, and maybe that's why it was so hard to process the fact that they came back and won, is that even when the breaks were going your way, it wasn't always turning into the type of comeback that we'd gotten used oh, yeah. to seeing. And so I just kept thinking, like, oh, man, like, this, this just isn't going to happen, because they've handed you... Like six opportunities, and you've cashed in on like half of them. And it had happened again where, you know, because I had you guys texting, um, you know, a little bit ahead. My dad has no filter. He always texts, and he's always ahead. <laughs> so after the, um, at, right before the fumble, it, it's, 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 it's kind of nice when someone texts you if they're ahead and some, and it, you can tell something good's going to happen. Yeah, my dad would do that during Yankees games because he's got cable and I, I got the Hulu thing going on. So he would just send me something like, Judge. I'm like, cool. We're on homework coming up. All right, nice. So, so they fumble it, and he says something like, "Here we go," or you know, "Let's go," or "Wow." And I'm like, "Something's about to happen. It's going to be a pick six. So they fumble it. You get the ball back, and I'm thinking, "All right, they're going to score." 
And then on right before the third down, or maybe it was right after the second down or something, he says, never mind. And I'm thinking, oh, and, and I'm thinking like, what a dud. What are we going to kick a field goal? <laughs> right, right. Or are we not even going to get that? And then Worse as than soon that. as I yeah. see the pass, I'm like, oh God, right. but then here we go. Earlier on the field goal that they got in the third quarter, even it looked like Lewerke fumbled, but he didn't. And even though you held him to three oh, instead right. of seven, that's another example of where I'm going, okay, this just isn't in the cards because it looked like he fumbled and he didn't. And That's they right. The field yeah, goal. I forgot about that. My God. So now, okay, it's 31-24. Michigan State has the ball back after you were unable to capitalize on the right. turnover. My point is even as late as like five minutes left in the game, I'm still thinking this is going to be almost impossible to come back from just because you've been handed out the opportunities on a platter and haven't cashed in. I doubt they're going to hand you another one. And now and Michigan and State <laughs> gets a few first downs, if I recall. Right. They're yeah. moving the ball. It had a, few, a couple chunk plays in there. And then he's thrown off to the right side of the field. I forget what the route now, the was. The play or before that, keep in mind, he got smashed, and Lewerke did, and he kind of got up and stumbled. The play before the pick six from Sidney Brown, yeah. I mean. And I don't know if he should have been taken out of the game or not. Okay, right. But, I mean, he looked dazed and confused before that throw. And was there Good a song, tip? Yeah. Oh, great song. Was there a tip or something that led to the Brown reception? That was a clean interception. I don't know. Just, I he think, sailed it, I think. Yeah, there was two tips on the first one, but the, uh, the second one, I think that just went right into his hands. But and, even with these wide-angle mm-hmm. views that you get of the field, I see some green jerseys. Yes, but the, as the, as the return continues, I'm like, "There's no. Where are the rest of them? Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. He's got a, a clear path. Holy crap! And here's so we're sitting at the bar. We had finished our fried mushrooms for an appetizer, and my little appetizer plate was off to the right. And I just, unbeknownst to me, I forgot it was still there. I just kind of slapped the table, but the knife is dangling oh, off of it. Ah. So the knife just does the whole like flipperoo onto the floor yeah. and then Kara's like calm down I'm like I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm freaking out right now and then I get back up to my seat and then he misses the extra point and then the same there's spot there's another example and there's, <laughs> and there's a fork also on the plate and that goes spilling over into the floor and the bartender's probably like this dude is a, a total mess right now and uh, but at that moment I, I had the smile on my face from the return mm-hmm. and I still had a smile on my face when they sailed the point after because I thought you got to be kidding! Like this, yeah. this is a joke, right? Another example of like, okay, this just isn't happening. Well, the, when okay, two things. One, when he missed, or right before he kicked that, did you think just don't miss this? No, because that's, that's what I, I, I didn't think. A he'd, thing he'd, nev- about he'd never it. missed one. So well, I, I was, wasn't even thinking just don't miss. Yeah, it. I didn't. I didn't have a single thought about it. I was, I think, even reach for my drink or something and take a sip, and I look up and it's already mid kick. Right. And I mean, I said they tied the game. To the, yeah. <laughs> my family was watching. I said they tied it. And they came in, and I'm like, oh, uh, never, never mind. Well, as soon as he had missed it, I was kind of, because, you know, um, Tori was at, on her way out the door, and I was kind of, like, freaking out, or either on her way out the door or in the door, and I was freaking out, and I, as soon as he missed it, I just go, I'm, like, almost half exasperated and half laughing. I'm like, oh, I wish he hadn't done that, because uh, now, because there was four minutes left, and I was thinking, yeah. they could, what if you don't get the ball back? Oh, I, well, that what was happened? my fear. Right? Yeah, and that's what I thought was going to happen. I thought it was going to be similar to a couple of years ago, similar to, not exactly like, the uh, the Falcons were playing the Chiefs. The Falcons went up by one, and then on the two-point conversion, Eric Berry took it the other way to the house and then actually gave the uh, the Chiefs back the lead by one. Chiefs get the ball back and never give Matt Ryan the ball again. Mm. So he had t- scored it to take the lead, and then they still lost. It was similar to this because I thought, you just scored it. There's five minutes left. You're not going to kick the onside kick. What if you don't get the ball back? Right. Yeah, no, too 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 much time left to have kicked the onside kick. Yeah. And I get it. I think it was the right to kick it off. And then they get, I think, two first downs. 
they are now at about the 35-yard line with the first set of downs, mm-hmm. and they get to a third and five. Which was and obviously a huge play. That, that was the game. Yeah. Because if you don't stop them, it's a first down. I, I said to Kara, I was like, well, two things are going to happen here. They're going to get the stop, and they'll kick a field goal, and let's presume they make it. Four-point game, whatever. The other option, and this is the far less ideal option, is that they get the first, and all of a sudden I'm thinking... They only had no the, timeouts left. Yeah, that would have been the most torturous way to end that comeback is not getting that final opportunity. And then you got James McCourt probably watching this unfold and thinking, if only I would have just made that stupid extra point. Mm-hmm. But that that there's so many key ga- plays in this game, right? So many key plays. Just getting the stop on third down. I forget what the play even was. It was I think Lewerke. it was a, he it was a run to, like the, to left the left. Yeah. And they and stopped they, him. For, they stopped him for a gain of two, I think. And then it was fourth and three. Fourth and three, fourth and four, and there was no doubt that they were going to kick it. Uh-huh. So that that takes some pressure off. And I'm thinking, well, even if they make it, that's okay. You know, I mean, because all I wanted was the shot. But then think about this: we're talking about already three or four moments we've identified where we thought, ah, darn it, great comeback, right. but it ain't happening, right? Well, then you get the ball back, and then you're around midfield. Uh, well, no, you would have been in your own 35, 40-yard line when the fourth and sixteen well, comes well, up. For that, by the way, that you started off that drive. Like that catch by Caleb Reams, I think is just going to be kind of forgotten. That was like a twenty-yard no, play. It was a great, it was a great catch. catch. Yeah, his first catch of the game. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure, and it was yeah, set up everything. So then you have three consecutive downs where it doesn't go well. I think there was a sack in there. Yeah, they, there he was. was sacked on third down. So now fourth and sixteen, and Lovey calls a timeout. And I remember thinking, well, you know what? If there's a play to call a timeout for, yeah, it would yeah. be when everything is right. on the line. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and, this and is it. I even texted you guys. I wish he hadn't taken that timeout because. Fourth and sixty. I figure, you know what? You got to go for it and you got to get this. But even if you didn't, if you had three timeouts, at least you have somewhat of a chance and they can't just run the clock out entirely. Yeah, but that was the game right that, there. But yeah, so, that was the yeah. game. I get it. I go back and forth on it because the ch- how much did your percentage chances increase by taking that timeout? Exactly. Play? Well, maybe quite a bit. Might yeah. have been. But nonetheless, you make And it play. was a wild play call, by the way, because... It was almost like a screen. A few of the linemen bailed, and the Michigan State defenders had a free path to Peters. And they got a and good he hit rolled, on him, too. He rolled to the right, and for like half a second, if you just pause the play right there, yeah. I'm thinking, what in the hell is this? It almost looked like that random play that went wrong against Nebraska where he rolled out and no one followed him, and he just got sacked. <laughs> and I know it was not It was, It was. was actually a genius play call because it moved everybody that way to isolate Bebe on the other side. You actually tweeted out that picture of... There were three guys yeah. running team, at him. This team won this game. <laughs> Look at this moment, frozen in time, where it's 4th and 16. Brandon Peters is about to get shellacked. By three different guys. On his back foot, if I recall. It was a back foot throw, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and then you got I mean, Josh Matter Bebe. That play call was insane, and so was the catch. And the catch was just unbelievable. So now, okay. I liked Matt Millen, life. by the way. Matt Millen's little Millenisms throughout the game. <laughs> Unlike almost any other color guy, he throws in a comment during the play-by-play yeah, action, which I, I don't appreciate, but I think it's funny. On uh, Lewerke's well, Martin picks, O'Donnell does that too. Well, yeah, sure, but yeah. he's like a local guy Lewerke, on the radio. I'm talking about like you know national, and TV he's a homer too. Or, or, or. Usually, they learn to just let the moment breathe. Matt Millen is not, which is fine. Mm. Um, on Lewerke's pick six that he threw to Sidney Brown. Talking about how the wide screen, you can't necessarily see where it's going. When he throws a pass, Mill and says he's got him. Yeah. And I thought, oh God! And then for, it goes to Brown, so obviously he was wrong. And then the same thing, if you listen to him on the the Bay Bay fourth fourth down catch, he's going crazy. He's like, yeah, yeah, he was <laughs> before he even caught him. It's just kind of funny. So now you have a fresh set of downs. I for, I honestly kind of forget how he got down to the goal line. I feel like Dre Brown. You had, had a Dre big Brown play. screen. That was, screen, yeah. that, that was um. Again, my Which girlfriend again looked like a bad play call as it was developing. Well, yeah, exactly. Brown... And that's what I thought. And I'm, I'm like thinking, oh, why are you throwing that pass? 
and like well, I was about to say, my girlfriend isn't a big uh, sports fan, but when he gets tackled at the one, because he had broken a tackle or two to get down there, I just, I'm watching and I hear like her go, ah, you were so close. You've just reached the ball out. I'm like, wow, you actually are <laughs> watching. Was, he was so close too. And I, I thought, at and that the fact moment, that he didn't touch the ball again was indefensible to me, but whatever. I would agree with that. No, I would totally agree with that because at that point, first and goal, and granted, that first down call Maybe might it, have been. It right, might have right, been. Right. Yeah. And then you got to recalibrate when but he I but just, I still want to give it so, to him on so second that, goal. So that's yeah. the thing. Like, you, Peters falls down, the clock is running. It's second and goal from the four or whatever it was. I don't know why you pivot to it. And I understand that Peters' rushes work sometimes. Was, because, it, was it a power or was it a, was it a read? I can't remember. I don't know if it I was. I, I don't know if it was in shotgun and then he just drove forward with it, or if someone was next to him. Maybe it was a read. Again, it's hard for me to sit here and criticize because yeah. a they won the game and b I don't know what's going through Rod Smith's mind. But we are known for micro, but we really just co- covered the entire fourth <laughs> quarter right well, there. Well, it's hard not to. Like it's it the is. single best quarter in Illinois football since when? You'd since ever? To, you'd have to go back. I think to I, I forget if it was the third or the fourth quarter against Michigan in 1999. I think the third quarter is when they really started mounting that comeback. And that's a game that you continue to see highlights on. Um, you, you could go back to, I mean, the Ohio State 2007 game was a 60-minute affair. That was an amazing fourth quarter in that they just kind of juiced yeah. the clock 14 and a half out. minutes, I think. Did, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but really, those the whole 60 minutes in that game were what was impressive, right. that you went toe-to-toe the entire time. Like, you looked the part, uh, every bit the part as Ohio State did. So for this, I'm trying to think of any quarter in Illinois football history that was this good, that had this much on the line, because making a bowl game is one thing, and... I think they beat Northwestern regardless. Uh, you could. Oh they, yeah, they're you, terrible. Yeah, they they are bad, and I know Purdue had a hard time with them. But well, that, I got to beat them though, and the Purdue had like their eighth string quarterback <laughs> <laughs> leading them to the win. I got was sobbing on the sideline afterwards. Yeah, yeah, I, it's I, like you beat uh, Northwestern. Yeah. Well. We need to sob after every sporting <laughs> event. We beat the defending Big Ten West champions. You see, so Aiden O'Connell's doing that, and I'm right, like, give right. me a break. And then I see J- Jamal Milan. Uh-huh. Yeah, but. If you think about the path that he and other Cubit slash Beckman guys have gone through, and Harry, you could speak to this far better than I Being can. Being one. I am right. a Beckman boy. Yeah, that everything that he's seen and the thousands, tens of thousands of hours of either weightlifting or going to practice with not much to show for it, right? Yeah. We're, we're basically... And a he, lot of injury, too, by the way, for him in specific. And, and then all of a sudden, in this moment, the clock runs out, and I thought I had a moment where the clock went to zero, and I'm like, holy crap, they did it. But for him, it had to be extra surreal because now all of a sudden you're going bowling. You have two games left. This could actually wrap up being an eight and four team. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that's impossible. Not the way well, I'm not going right to say anything's impossible. I think it's probably more likely that you finish seven and five. But seven I mean, and five. Is, I mean, oh my god! <laughs> but but even crazy, incredible. even saying that, I mean, hell, I I in I, a season where you lost to Eastern Michigan at all. Yeah. What team has ever lost to Eastern Michigan and beaten Michigan State in the same season? <laughs> I mean, no one. I mean, yeah, it's probably. amazing. It, it would have taken this four-game winning streak to overcome both the perception, the negative perception that came from losing Eastern Michigan and the way you lost the Nebraska game, right? Yeah. And then you followed up the with Minnesota. a stinker in Minnesota. And then the Michigan game was rendered effectively meaningless by that point. And yeah, you had the comeback, but it didn't mean anything then. So it, it had to take this four-game win streak, and it had to take this kind of comeback against Michigan State to get the casual people, like those that were in the dining room at Hank's table, that you heard legit applause from people that clearly did not go to Hank's table to watch the Illini game. Right. But they understood, as the casual fan and the observer in Champaign-Urbana now is, that we are witnessing something really cool. And it, it is nice to be swept up in it. It's nice to have 14 days 
to that's savor. Really nice. Yeah, that and is there's nice. no basketball game this week either. That's fine. So I don't need any more of that for a week. To just revel in this. I think this game is kind of this is the perception perception changer because Wisconsin. I agree with that. I mean, I think Wisconsin was the game kind of similar to the the uh, uh, the Ohio State 07 game in that you went toe to toe with them the entirety of it. This game was more exciting and more insane at the end. But I'm, I mean just the way that kind of game came out of nowhere and you're the big underdogs. I'm not going to say... From a national perspective, it might seem more like that was a fluky win for Illinois. Now, we the Wisconsin sat here and, game yeah. or the Michigan State? The Wisconsin, the Wisconsin game. Yeah, I agree. Now, yeah. we sat here and you said, and I agree with you, that it wasn't that fluky because they actually played pretty well the yeah. whole game. But I mean, from like if Kirk Herbstreet's looking at it, he's yeah, thinking, he's well, that's, that's a nice little win for yeah. Illinois. But now, the, this changes the narrative Well, completely. exactly, because you have that when you think it might be fluky. And then you have a Purdue game that you can't really say anything different. Right. And then you have a win over Rutgers, right. where, if anything, you're going to say, well, maybe they should have beaten him by more. I'm not going to say that because he well, still won by 28. Yeah, so you come into this game, and you come into this game, and I'll be full disclosure. You guys and everyone were saying that you think Illinois is going to win. I hadn't seen enough against Purdue and Rutgers to be totally convinced. I thought it was going to be a close, low-scoring game. I was wrong. Yeah, who would have thought that? Yeah. The over, what was the over-under, like 40-something? Yeah. Michigan State's defense was top 20 in the country. Exactly, and they looked the part for the first three quarters. Yeah. Um, but So the, then after that, after they go up 28-3, my thought isn't, wow, you really just haven't, you know, this isn't what we saw the last couple of weeks. It was more so, uh, okay, I guess I guess we're maybe Wisconsin. There. Yeah, we're not there. I guess Wisconsin pro- might have been somewhat fluky. Because you but, start doing the revisionist thing, right, where you go, okay, say Witherspoon doesn't tackle him or Jonathan Taylor doesn't fumble yeah. the ball. Then Wisconsin goes up, that would have been, what, 31-13 in that game? Game's probably over. Oh, yeah. Probably so. Purdue, I give them credit for the win, of course, because they played in just as sloppy conditions as Purdue, but Purdue was down to their third-string quarterback yeah. in the rain. It was a horrible game. And then yeah. Rutgers. So you're Rutgers kind of sitting Rutgers. there going like... Yeah, uh, and it's 28-3. to three. At 28-3 is what I mean. And 28-3, that's right. what I was thinking. I was thinking, well, I mean, this isn't really a huge surprise. That's what made the uh, that's what made the the comeback that much more insane. And it came out of nowhere. The most un-Illinois thing ever. Yeah, the defense was on the field for forty minutes. It, they showed that that stat at the end of the game. They said you had the ball for eighteen minutes, and, and they were better in the third and fourth quarter. Oh so yeah, I, I mean, first that's of what all, happens when you score off turnovers, right? Yeah, you can we, can we give points. a shout out? I guess to Lou Hernandez. Oh yeah, that's what somebody I mean, said. Some um, I forget who. Maybe it was Jamal. One of the guys after the game said that they credit this entire win to Lou Hernandez because he's got them over the summer running those 150 yard sprints to the point where none of them are tired in the fourth quarter. That's just insane to me to be on the field that long against an offense that was running the ball fairly effectively, and then Lewerke was having these long scrambles for you know. I mean, yeah, that, that touchdown. Drove uh, me bonkers. And, and, I, and again, I go back to Millen complimenting both quarterbacks in the first half when neither looked that great. Like, yeah. he's, this is the best game Lewerke's he's ever played. And I'm like, which uh, may be true because no, he's, yeah, no. yeah. I'm not saying it was wrong, but it was one of those Aubrey Dawkins things where oh, I'm sitting yeah. there going, of course, of course, Lewerke's showing and then he up. He keeps yeah. saying, like, you know, Peter sails the interception and he goes, boy, Brandon Peters, I like what I've seen out of this kid. And it turns out that he had a great game. But he again, did. I'm sitting there he going, did. oh, and it just doesn't help when he says things like no, that. No, I'm still racking my brain on this, guys, because we're 48 hours removed from it. Well, 48 hours ago from this moment that we're recording it is when the game would have started, but I think maybe by now Michigan State got their first touchdown. It wasn't long into it. It's almost exactly, actually. That's Pretty crazy. Much. Yeah. And then you didn't do anything offensively, and at the end of the day, you still had you know 450 yards of offense about I think about 20. I thought it was upper 390, and they had 500. So it might have been you didn't have a lot of rushing yards, and and the offense is still a concern, right? It and, is. And the offensive line wasn't great. Peters got sacked a ton of times. He did. And I still don't like his pocket presence because anytime someone gets near him, he just goes down. And but aside, you do wonder. Sorry, Harry. Go aside ahead. from that fourth quarter, I mean, and even including that fourth quarter, I'm not going to take anything away from the offense. They played 
insanely well in the fourth quarter. But you had one play at the end of the second half, the touchdown. Mm-hmm. You had, I mean, that long pass to Bebe, that's a one 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 and done thing kind of you throw it and you get I don't want to say lucky but if he gets tackled at the five yard line you might not score I mean you look and see how difficult it was for you to score on the last drive you might have to settle for a field goal there so you have that you have a turnover in the red zone that kind of leads to you getting that um an opportunity Corbin touchdown well right? no no the one the opportunity that you don't oh, take advantage right. of so and that was a horrible pass by Peters because he had Bebe if he threw it yeah deeper into the back exactly. of the end zone exactly so you see oppor- you see things where you're saying well the offense I don't want to say got lucky but 28 points 27 points it should have been 28 in that right. last quarter it took of them play, eight chances from it, the three yeah. to score it was right? insane I mean, like it, it was very Matt Nagy-esque there there was that series against the uh what was that home game against the Chargers where they had uh uh-huh. first and goal and I, I think they missed they, they missed the it first. eight straight times or something like side that. note yeah. did you see the uh the Bills Browns the uh Browns had the ball on the one and didn't score for eight straight eight plays. straight tries they didn't get it in can they fire Freddie Kitchens well they won that game in the year I know, but I think they probably should move on from that guy. Yeah. My God, his name's Kitchens. His name is Freddie with an I E. Baker and Kitchen. Has anyone realized this? Yeah, I haven't actually. <laughs> Darn it! But uh, <laughs> you think I haven't? Would be a match made in heaven? There's a Baker in the kitchen. Ew! No. No. Beyond ew, Trevor. Uh, My goodness. I'm just trying to think of Brown's promotional material for the 2020 season. So we have a team that, in all likelihood, will go seven and five. Okay. Eight and four is I'm not. It's not off the table. It's not such house money that I'm excited just because who cares, right? Here's why. I looked at Michigan State, and the funny thing is, all the ingredients that would have led that upset were null and void when Michigan State went up twenty eight to three. Right. My arguments were the timing was great, the momentum mattered going into it. It didn't. Everything that came to fruition in the fourth quarter had nothing to do with the ingredients that I thought would lead to an upset in the first place. So I could be way off base, but I'll say it right now. What I do like about the Iowa game is that you get them the week after their marquee home game against Minnesota. This is the potential hangover game, regardless of outcome against Minnesota. True. I can't tell if I'd rather have Iowa win that game or Iowa lose that game. I are can they see still alive more. for the Big Ten West? I don't they think they are. No, I think they're officially it. out of it now. Because Wisconsin not okay. Wisconsin's going to win out, so they'll be a two-loss team. Right? Speaking of which, you guys well, want me to go over the tiebreakers? We, do you have a scenario? Reason, I do have the scenario. I, I don't, under, that I don't understand this because everyone's saying that there's no scenario no, where I Illinois looked it can, up. I looked it up. Okay. There is one. All but right. before we get to that, okay. Iowa, the timing of it, they're playing Minnesota. Also, the fact that you are sandwiched in between that Minnesota game and their rivalry game at Nebraska, which is you know kind of a big deal up there sure. for, for that those two teams. And for us coming off a of bye week, I think the most essential thing is that you are going to, fingers crossed, be healthy. That maybe and, Hanson's back out there. And 63 nothing. I mean, I, I, I would not discount that as nothing that these players want to get some redemption for I, that, right? I would totally agree with that. So there, there's a lot on the table. Do I think Illinois wins? Ultimately, I'm not going to make the upset pick like I did in Michigan State because I don't think they do. That's fair. But what if they just come out and they lose 24-17 and then the next week they smoke Northwestern? This would feel exactly like 1999 did. They didn't win every game that year. They went 7-4 in the regular season. Uh, but they had a true sense of momentum going into that ball game when they smashed Virginia. This team, I think, can get to eight wins, but the most likely outcome is going to be mm-hmm. whoever the bowl opponent is. And can you imagine that? Where we enter 2020, after Lovey's fourth year, they went eight and five, and they have a favorable schedule. <laughs> then you look schedule. at the schedule for next year. Oh, uh, we'll be excited. And, and we should be, and we deserve to be excited. I have not been excited after an Illinois football season heading into the offseason yeah. since... 2010, they went 6-6, six and six, they won the bowl game. Everybody, for the most part, was coming back. 
and you started six and zero in twenty eleven. Yeah. Had reason to be excited. Well, that's what, and I was going to say, when's the last time they were six and four or two games over five hundred in November? <laughs> the answer is two thousand eleven. But no one was excited <laughs> yeah, about that. Cause, no, because at that point, if you were six and four or six and five, that was four or five straight losses. When's the last time they've been two games over five hundred in November and you've been genuinely like excited about it? It probably would have been two thousand twenty ten. You were never two games over. No, I don't yeah, because you kind of one lost one. I mean, you lost, won your first two non conference other than Missouri, but you never really got two games over five hundred in conference play that 2010 year. 2010 was such a weird year because entering November... You I, lost the Minnesota game at home to enter Right, November. after you had had the uh, triple overtime game against mm-hmm. Michigan, you come home against a terrible Minnesota team, and I remember thinking, ah, last week was a bummer, but we'll right the ship. That would have gotten we'll them to six and, and four. Right. Right, and, and they really should have beaten Fresno State and Minnesota, and that should have been an eight and four team, mm-hmm. but that's Ron Zook. So again, like, I can't remember the last time I've been this just genuinely excited. I, I, know, we've, even, I know we've done this a billion times but i, th- I have the uh 2020 schedule i was no, joking the 2010 that, schedule i was joking oh, that we okay. should print them all out and put them on so the wall me, here let me guess your 2010 they open with illinois state no. southern illinois no oh northern no you have both those teams right missouri but that, yes missouri oh that's right i was at that game and nathan shieldhouse first start defense looked good offense had problems yeah you lose 23 uh 13 then you beat northern illinois and uh northern southern illinois was close well it went southern then northern you then won. you lose to ohio shieldhouse, state at home shieldhouse had the dive into the end zone against northern illinois like he really uh, yeah, oh he yeah yeah it they over. showed yeah, that yeah, for yeah, a couple yeah. of years after that they, like yeah, cartwheeled right. in okay so you're two and one then you lose to number two ohio state but that it's was close. an encouraging game. Yeah, 20 20, to 10? 24 13. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. Then you go into Penn State and whack Penn right. State. Smoke him. At, wasn't Tavon Wilson a stud that day? Uh-huh. He, he's the one that got the pick six on that screen pass. They okay. threw it out and he picked it off and ran it in. And then you lose, probably, I guess you would say your worst loss of the year is uh, at well, the Michigan Minnesota- State. Okay. Because you lose 26 to 6. Yeah. I don't even remember Offense that. Point was just, wise, it was yeah, the worst. I don't one. remember that. Um, Mike, I'm looking at the points that it you lost It was a very Lou Tepper-esque by. year because the combined total of points that you were beat by is not that much. No, it wasn't and, a and lot. Like you said, 20 points against Michigan State was the biggest, I think. You lost by 10, 11, 22. You know what the two is. Oh. Uh, four and then two again. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so after... You lost by two to Fresno. Yeah, 25, mm-hmm. 23. This is just... It was like mind, a backdoor close yeah, loss. Yeah, Ron Gunther. Why you would ever play at Fresno State? I know Minnesota's done it. Yeah, but, but at the beginning yeah. of the year, at least, right? Yeah, this this whole late Where year is Fresno State. Okay, thing. Fresno California. State's in California. And that's the, that was the year after they went to Cincinnati and played them the last game of the year and got and in two thousand nine. Right? They, they 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 hung around with Cincinnati for like two and a half quarters. Yeah. That was when Butch Jones had them going. Yeah, they were ranked high, top ten. Yeah. All right. So then after Michigan State, you beat Indiana and you beat Purdue. Both handily. Both okay. So you were two games over at some point there. Oh. Heading to Michigan after that, correct? So that's one, two, three, four, five, five and three. Yeah, okay, five so and you three were five and three. Okay. And going I, I, into yeah. Michigan. Thinking, you know, if we can just win this game. And I think Illinois had a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter. For Tate Forcier. They did. But when you out. score that many points in a high-scoring game like that, doesn't it kind of seem like a 14-point lead is a 7-point lead? Oh, yeah, oh it totally sure. does. I mean, yeah. Michigan scored on the first play from scrimmage in that game. I, I, I was I was pacing in the concourse of the big house during each timeout because I couldn't sit still in a seat. Yeah. I had to rove because I, I was like, we're going to win. We're going to be bowl eligible. I'm going to see win at the big house. That's a once-in-a-lifetime thing to see your team win at Michigan, even though it was Rich Rod. And then that freaking uh, third overtime. Yeah. Yeah. After that, then you have the Minnesota loss. That was the worst. 38 to 34. Uh, then you. 38 points to that Minnesota team. <laughs> I liked Vic Coning. 
But it they was had horrible some conditions that day too. It was it nasty was, out, mm-hmm. and the Illinois opened up their basketball season that night yep, against yep. Southern. It was just a total. It was a dud of a day. Yeah. I mean, they beat they beat Brandon Southern. Paul had a really good dunk in that game. I, I wow. just remember that. I, See, people talk about my memory. I don't. <laughs> so then you uh, then you clinch bowl eligibility against Northwestern. Yeah, and I remember game day was up there, and I was game like, day. "Why are you guys yeah, here?" Was, was the I knew Wrigley, right, but yeah. Illinois had struggled. Northwestern wasn't lighting the world on Lee fire. Lee picked uh, Illinois. He did. Yeah, and we didn't have a mascot head, so we just yeah, he put the helmet on. on yeah. Uh, so then you have a chance to go seven and five, but you lose at Fresno okay. State. So my point is, at this point in November of that season, you're coming off the Michigan and the Minnesota loss. I, weirdly enough, your closest win was Northern Illinois. It was the only win yeah. you had that was by one score. All the other ones were by... I remember in that game, um, they were driving, and they decided to kick a field goal because they were down like eight instead of going for the touchdown. And then they ended up losing the game, and everybody criticized them afterwards for going for the touchdown and then the field Which goal. Which game was this against? Sorry. The Northern Illinois game. Oh, that's right. Yeah. They were driving and they kicked like a 40 yard field goal and made it, but everyone's looking around like, why didn't they just try to score the touchdown? And Jerry there? Kill I mean, was still there. Yeah. Yeah. At that point. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the wins you have are by 32, 6, but then 30, 30, 34, 20. That team should have been better. 21. That, and that then was 24. to me. And this, you beat RG3 in the bowl game. You, you smoked, smoked them. them. And then I'm thinking that team is the closest I've seen to the 94 Illini team. Now, that defense was ridiculous and they went 8 and 4. But they were actually really close to being like 10 and 2, 11 mm-hmm. and 1. They yeah. lost their four games by combined like 19 points. Um, but I look at 2010 and all the NFL talent when they were at their peak and playing really well. I mean, they were a potential January 1st bowl team. And that to me is the Zook era epitomized. Mm-hmm. 2007, you had all the breaks go your way. You had some NFL talent, pro- arguably more talent on the 2010 team. And yeah, it just I mean, it never the, coalesced. The you line know? was Whitney Merciless, Corey Legit, somebody. I mean, it was NFL players still good. to this day, like nine years later. Yeah. So they right. were obviously, you know, really good even at, you know, today's standards. Did you lose to Iowa in both 07 and 01? I know you lost to them in 07. No, in 01, you did not play them in 01. You 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 beat them in 99. Neil Rackers had four field goals. And Neil there was, Rackers. I think, a fake field goal that went for a touchdown. 2000, you beat them again. This is Kirk Francis' second or third year, 63 to nothing. John Butcher. John Butcher. It was 63 to three. John Butcher started, I think, for Iowa. And then he transferred a year later, had to sit out a year, and then became the starter eventually for Illinois. You did not play them between 2000 and 2007, I'm pretty sure. Yep, because then you had Demke win, not win with the field goal, but. And so in 07, you lost at Iowa City. In 08, you won at home. Mm-hmm. In 09, I don't, I don't think, think you I played think that's them when you stopped playing them. Again. 09 was just an off year, and then 2010 was Legends Leaders, so then you didn't play them until whenever that ended, 2014. So uh, we yeah. haven't beat them since 2008. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. Competed in 2015. Yeah. That was a decent game, yeah. but you have not beaten Iowa since 2008. Mm-hmm. Let's slay the dragon. Uh, uh, let's break the streaks. We talked about that with Illinois basketball and like Wisconsin, now the 15-game streak or whatever they have. <laughs> I, I am sick of losing to Iowa because they are what they are. They're beatable, and yet that sort of brand of football, as boring as it is, they seem to somehow find their way to 28, 31 That's point the brand of football Illinois. that got you the win over Wisconsin, though. It is. I so. mean, what wins does Iowa have this year that are really that impressive? They beat Iowa State. Do you have yeah, but Iowa open? State lost to uh, or almost lost to Northern Iowa in triple overtime to start the year. Obviously they're pretty good cuz they almost just beat Oklahoma on they the road. They did. They did that they should have Matt Campbell. Yeah. yeah he really is, good. Him and PJ Fleck are the two Midwestern coaches that I think would make that jump to 
a blue blood. Well, now yeah, uh, Fleck's not going anywhere anytime eh, soon. Come on, he just signed an extension. Yeah, this but week. the boosters, boosters in the south. Though. By the okay. way, I turned on the TV to watch. I think what, what's it called? Like the the ESPN wrap up show is called like College Goal Line or something. I don't know what it's called. And it was the pylon. <laughs> <laughs> it was something like that, and I what turned kind it of on. Stupid names. Can you call the show just with football the related mark. accessories? Yeah. <laughs> um, I. T- <laughs> I turned on the uh, the the channel and it was PJ Fleck talking, and I swear this is like it's one of those things like when you turn it on in a movie and it happens to catch exactly what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. I turn it on and he goes, "Yesterday we had all our players put their name on a piece of coal. Today we melted the coal and it turned into this diamond." And he holds up a giant diamond. What the hell? And I turned it immediately back off after that. I heard no <laughs> more context. I just thought, "What?" You know, as as goofy <laughs> as he is, what? they're nine and zero. With the best but record I still don't like them. You don't, you don't need to. They I almost mean, lost to Georgia Southern. I mean, I don't, it's not like I, I don't it. like them like vitriol. I mean, they almost lost to two FCS teams. Like, I, I still don't like them. They're going to go undefeated and not get in the college football playoff. Oh, no, that won't happen. If they go undefeated and well, beat Ohio State, Let me, let me State, rephrase. This, this is what's okay. going to happen. They're going to go 12-0. They're the going to lose to Ohio State. State. right? Yeah. And then they'll go to the they'll get Rose Bowl. Like Rose Bowl. Sh- they'll go yeah, the Rose Bowl, Bowl. against I mean, Georgia be, and get killed. Well, I mean, nice I mean consolation prize. this isn't a situation where you would go to, um, you know, because like last year, Northwestern lost, and they didn't go to the Rose Bowl. I think it should always be like, you know. But they were 8-4. and four. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, they are, but I feel like getting there should get you something because I mean, I yeah, guess. you end up putting. I mean, Ohio State got there, but say Northwestern in like Capital One Bowl or something. They were in like the Music in City Nashville. Bowl or something. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So, but like a couple of years ago, um, no, no, Penn State went. But like for for example, when Penn State went to the Rose mm-hmm. Bowl, they played USC. Now Washington was in the playoff and they had beaten Colorado, so they should have played Colorado. But USC was higher in the AP poll, so they plus put you them know in there. they just want Penn. Oh State yeah, they. Was- I mean, it's like like I was saying in our text with bowl positioning. I'm afraid, and this is a bad, silly thing to be afraid of. But yeah. if Illinois goes eight and four, and then Michigan and Iowa are both eight and four, oh, Illinois is gonna... not getting the top of those three. No. Oh, no, they're now, getting, right. No, they're no, getting no. the yeah. lowest, right? Yeah, that's de- just how it works. Definitely, they're getting the nod. But but like, it looks like we have played ourselves out of the quick lane bowl, unless we lose out. Unless we lose out, and yeah. this is where the Northwestern game. It, it's weird. I assumed pretty early in that Michigan State game that, oh boy, we're going to be five and six entering that stupid Northwestern game. Right. And I think suddenly, we'll win. Like, right. But then suddenly there's like this, uh, now yeah, it really matters. We'll enter the fourth quarter, will be close. And I'll we'll be like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> so that monkey is off the back, right? And I think Which there was is a huge. There was a player that said that, and I wish I could attribute who exactly said it the monkey being off the backs. And, and that is an acknowledgement from a player that is saying, Listen, we were talking bowl game. We wanted it. If you had to wait three more weeks to get that opportunity to finally get against Northwestern home, I feel like that is actually a recipe for Disaster. danger. Yeah. Plus because you're tight. You Pat are not Fitzgerald playing would loose. want to beat you. Fat Fitzgerald. So right. now you get to come out, and it is the cherry on top. Certainly, Illinois is going to want to beat them every bit as bad as they do, but there won't be that tightness. There's not going to be that, uh, you know, as Lana would say, puckering up. There's mm-hmm. not going to be any puckering up because you already got it in the bag. So now you're just going to go out footloose and fancy free. Is Fancy Free a movie? I know Footloose, Footloose is. and Fancy... Well, no, but I think in the <laughs> 30s or 40s, like a Cary Grant comedy, Footloose and Fancy Free. Hmm. Some little... I have Iowa's... Uh, title. Like I have Cary Iowa's... transition between like super dark, violent movies and then super funny movies. Continue. Yeah, he had a very lighthearted sense of humor. Yeah. I have Suave, Iowa's that man. schedule right here. <laughs> okay. They beat Miami of Ohio. That's a nothing win. Sure. Then they beat Rutgers. That's a nothing win. But they did so... You know, convincingly both times. Um, then they play Iowa State. They what was the Rutgers score to do the transitive property? 30-0. to zero. And we're 38-10? We should beat them 
eight so we're about square. We're about square in that. They didn't, oh, yeah, yeah, they yeah. didn't cover against Miami of Ohio. I remember we that because I had them covering. They always struggle in that home yeah, opener, but they still it feels like. Struggling for them is 38-14. I know. I'm oh, just, they beat Miami of Ohio. Yeah, yeah but oh, the line mind. was okay. like minus 30. Okay, so we got we got wins against those. What's what's after that? Uh, then you then they beat Iowa State. They shouldn't have. 18-17. to 17. There was a weather delay and a horrible yeah. call on a, like a punt return that yeah. blew the game. Well, and the yeah. two guys ran into each right. other. But, you know, at the end of the day, you get it done. Uh, Middle Tennessee, 48-3. to three. Mm-hmm. And then they lose to Michigan and Penn State. 10-3 to three to Michigan and then... 17-12 to 12 to Penn that State. That was the two weeks where they didn't score a touchdown. Exactly. Now, the Wisconsin game, to me, what that is the best common opponent you can go off of. That was a, a pretty close fourth quarter, but it, it did require a late score from Iowa to make a that a long score. Game. Right. Right. It, it required an explosive play. So if you look at the rest of that game, though, Wisconsin held Iowa's offense in check. And I'm looking at Nate Stanley. I'm thinking, I'm surprised that he's not turned out to be a better quarterback. He's serviceable. You could do far worse. He's probably more reliable than Lewerke. That's for sure. But in a way, I don't see all that many um, uh, dissimilarities. What were the differences? Differences, what am I talking yeah. About? I'm making up a new word. It's a fancy way of saying <laughs> yeah. All that many differences between Michigan State and Iowa in the, in the template yeah. that they have for playing games and winning I guess, games. This, I mean, this feels like another super low-scoring game to me, but again, we said that this yeah, past exactly. week, and you see what happens. It turned so. into a shootout. This, I feel, this feels real like... I mean, look at these Iowa Illinois scores under Lovey. What was it, twenty eight nothing? And sixty eight. I know the sixty three nothing is just like out yeah. of hand. I think but. The, one of them was like thirty nine to like fourteen or something weird. That was two years so ago when I was two of the three years you played Iowa with Lovey, you scored zero points because the first year was twenty eight nothing and the last year was sixty three nothing. Yeah, so. don't remember the last time we scored a point against them in Champaign. So you're due. I hate it. Don't, no, I don't. Know, I'm kidding. Yeah. But I, I, I am concerned about the offense, and I, I don't know. It, it's easy to say, hey, whatever you did in the fourth quarter, do that again. Yeah. Well, listen, you were <laughs> that playing. That was some magical stuff. It right was. There. Two he, touchdowns over 70 yards. Yeah. But I, I think you do need to stretch the field more. There's so many horizontal passing plays going on. Where I I'm don't like, like that. Yeah. yeah. There's this, just, there's. I, Jeremy said it on Twitter. He called them low, high risk, low reward plays. There was a four yard out to. Right. I forget which wide receiver. Probably I think it was Navarro. Navarro. I think. Yeah. I think it was, and he made a great catch, but I'm thinking that expended so much energy For to make it yards. second and six. Exactly. Yeah. I just I don't I'm not a huge fan of that, especially when you have shown that your vertical game can work. Now obviously the offensive line has to give Peters enough time to develop the vertical game. And early on those vertical plays were usually resulting in sacks. So this goes right. back so to that's, an offensive that's, line that's issue. The problem, and, right? and a wide receiver separation issue where you hope that Maybe a Ricky Smalling can get back, but that's uh, been quiet on that yeah, front. I mean, someone said he tore his ACL. I don't uh, know. I'm probably going to come back this year. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. Would you dislike a game with like 15 uh, Matter Bebe targets? No. No. I feel because like that's he's got the, the most touchdowns since A.J. Jenkins, and we're targeting that, him like three times a game. That's the other thing I was going to ask. Who is he the best receiver since? Would it be since A.J. Jenkins? Jenkins. I think he's better than Jenkins. Geronimo Allison was good, made the he's pro. a little no, bit he's better. Way I, better than I love Gmo, but I think he's a little bit better than him. Yeah, and he's, he's probably – this is what's – I'm afraid now he's getting into that too good t- uh, territory where you know he can leave. He can go I pro. thought he was going to leave after this year. I thought he's a junior grad transfer. Yeah, he has one more year. Oh, he has another year. Uh-huh. He can leave. Though. Oh, <laughs> but see, here's the problem. We it thought feels it was like big. every time Illinois discovers like a, and I'll call him like a hidden gem because USC let him walk. Yeah. It seems like the next year it hardly ever translates to the exact same amount of success or better. Yeah, it happened like with Jihad. He was great know, his like, first like, like, year. It, 
I, I, I can very rarely think of an instance where you look at a specifically a football transfer and go, holy cow, that was a really good year. Now let's just assume he does that again, maybe more, and it never turns out yeah, to be it that. Could be. But I tell you what, you bring him back next year, that is a huge help uh, when you are losing Reggie and you're losing Dre. I mean, he was the starting running back in the B next year. Reggie Love is a true freshman. Well, you're, Mike Epstein. Epstein. you're hoping you if Mike Epstein. Epstein's healthy, uh, but the problem with that is he hasn't been healthy in three straight years. And then you have Rayvon Bonner, but you know what have we seen from him this year? But then you hope to get um, Cumbie and Sims involved, I guess. But yeah, it's a lot of unproven commodities. But this is where the grad transfer market could benefit Illinois again. For sure. Because now, this is Mike White era stuff, and this is what Mike White did to get them back on solid footing. Certainly, you want the four-year players as your foundation, but uh, to get you over the top, to get over the hump, you go out and you get these guys uh, that weren't getting enough playing time at the USC's of the world, or or in the case of uh, Eifler was Washington, uh-huh. right? And he's got one more year. Yep. Uh, by the way, that punch. Here's the thing: it's like, the like by the action. letter of the law, it's he the punched action. the guy, and by punching a guy, you're automatically thrown out. But, Which is fair. But I, the fact that yeah. the guy didn't even react, first of all, and second of all, the guy's stomping on his face, so it's more of a <laughs> get off me punch. Yeah. Like, like the context of it seems like you shouldn't be ejected for that. But he threw a punch. So. He threw he did, a punch. At the end of the day, I know it looked like it was. I mean, I think Matt Millen said something like, "Oh, people do that to each other all the time when they have a good play," and I'm just thinking. Matt, you played football. You know that's not the case. There's a big difference between a slap and a punch. Yeah. Well, I mean, he I take everything this. he says with a grain of salt Dude, because he was the a, 0 and 16 Lions a, GM. Is it weird that? Yeah. Well, that's true. Although we've played the two best games in the last 10 years. Exactly. With him. Yeah. They've, I mean, they've, know, they've I, called every game of this comeback other than Purdue. Have they not? Yes, uh, that's correct. It was Jay Lane and Binington and, yeah, uh-huh. at Purdue. No, I, I actually kind of enjoy listening to Matt Millen. I don't I know don't. if that makes me ridiculous or not. He seems like a He's nice fine. guy. He's a doofus maloofus, man. That oh, guy doesn't, poor guy. <laughs> poor doofus. Uh, okay, so before we get going, we can talk Illinois basketball at the very tail end, but I don't have a lot to say about them just yet. It yeah. is what it is at this point. I got to throw in the path to Indy. We need the scenario to Indy. Okay, here we Which go. Which we covered last week, but now that Minnesota won, it gets a little more complicated. It gets a little <sighs> bit more hairy. I think what the difference is now is I think getting the, Harry with Harry. Oh my goodness. What I saw before <laughs> was a four way tie with Iowa. That's out of the that's out of the situation now. Okay. See it. Okay. I have it written down. So step one is if any of the teams let's say there's a three way tie between Illinois, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. This is why Illinois wins it. Between Illinois so, first Wisconsin of all, and Minnesota. We should preface okay. this by saying Illinois has to win out for this. Illinois scenario. has to win right. out. Then, um, okay, Illinois, well, I'll write it out. But by winning out, that means Iowa loses a game. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to also qualify it by saying Iowa has to lose at least once. So you beat, you know, Iowa's not involved in this at all. Okay. You win out, okay? Check. So, and you also need Wisconsin to lose either against Purdue or Nebraska. So you need Wisconsin to lose once. Once. But they also need to beat Minnesota. (sighs) That's dicey. And you need Minnesota Mm. to lose out. Okay. Which I don't know if that's going to happen. Okay. Well, the only the toughest one there because Iowa they can lose, and Wisconsin. I think they and Wisconsin they can lose. The biggest question marks here are for Illinois it's beating Iowa, mm-hmm. for Wisconsin it's losing to Purdue or Nebraska. Yeah. I think it's more that's likely Purdue, but I don't think it's it going to happen. Purdue? I don't think so. I don't that's think the biggest question mark. More, well, so no, than, more so than Illinois beating Iowa. No, no, the biggest one is Minnesota losing to Northwestern. Oh, for oh, sure. Well, where's that? Throw game the at? scenario away. But okay, wait. I ask Once that like it matters. Is it at Northwestern in front of that vaunted <laughs> home crowd, Ryan Field? What you okay? But here's why Illinois would win. In a situation like that, you say, is any of those teams two and zero against the other teams? And none no. of them are. 
because everyone's one-on-one one 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 against each other. So you go to the next tiebreaker. The next tiebreaker is winning percentage in your own division. Okay. And what hap- helps uh, Illinois here is that Minnesota just had three wins against East teams. That's if they, true. If they lost out, they would be three and three. Minnesota, uh, Illinois, one of their losses was to uh, Michigan. That's in the East, so you don't consider that. Illinois would finish 4-2. and two. Wisconsin, So they get the nod over Minnesota in that case. Yeah, wow. and that's what you need because then with Wisconsin losing one more game in the West, they only have West games left, and then they also, one of their losses was against Ohio State, so that's what kind of helps them over Minnesota. But they would finish at 4-2 as well. Now you have two teams that are left, and you do their head-to-head, and Illinois beat Wisconsin, so that's why they would be in. Okay. Okay. Here, wow. I say, okay. So Illinois has the tiebreaker, but a lot we'll needs to happen. Okay. Well, here's the thing, though. I'm at the point where I love a Big Ten title. It probably is not going to happen this year, but <laughs> I'm just happy to be back in 7-8 win discussion. I, I like Yeah, the, we're sitting here we're, talking about like bowl positioning. Yeah, like Josh Whitman introduced Lovey Smith, and he said the right things about we're going to be competing for championships. That's what Nady has to say. I get it. But as a fan, I'm thinking, yeah, that's fine, but just give me the 7-5s. Mm-hmm. I'm happy with the seven and fives, and I know like the Iowas of the world, they're tired of the seven and fives. With uh, I about said Kirk Herbstreet <laughs> <laughs> with Kirk Ferentz, and I'm like, oh, I'd take that in a heartbeat. But right. yeah, the seven and fives, the eight and fours, the occasional January first, ten thirty a.m. Outback Bowl kickoff. Oh, I would love the Outback Bowl. I would bowl. love the Outback the, Bowl. I've the, always wanted the Outback with bowl. the free bloom and onion or coconut uh, shrimp. If your team oh my wins, God. Illinois, South Carolina. Well, it's always South Carolina. Yeah. I think they have to play in that game. <laughs> Seems like it, right? Yeah, and um, I, I didn't know. Because uh, Austin Berkeley keeps putting out poll, uh, bowl projections. I didn't know Missouri was banned this year. I forgot they about are, that. Yeah. And yeah. I so wanted, because I know there's a couple you can play the SEC in. That's Tennessee, what I wanted. Uh, Illinois versus Tennessee in the Gator Bowl? That looks one like one projection. of them. Yeah. But I wanted Illinois, uh, Missouri in the Gator Bowl. I'd like to beat a name even if the name stinks now. Yeah, well, FSU. Right? In the FSU yeah, would be right. Like beating Florida State in a bowl game would be awesome. So that here's a question. I don't want to play North Carolina. What bowl, <laughs> what bowl do you want? Now, for me, there's the kitschy, kind of cool element of playing at Yankee Stadium for the pinstripe. Sure. Bowl. Which is a strong possibility. It is uh, against, I think, North Carolina or Pitt or the names yeah. thrown out. Which, yeah. ugh, I don't want to play. And North somebody, Carolina. I don't either. somebody said the bowl committee at all costs tries to not repeat the same team in a bowl for two years in a row. And I think Iowa was at the Pinstripe Bowl last year. Oh, okay. I think were the, I'll, I'll look was it Indiana? Maybe it was Indiana years ago against Duke. They played. Yeah. They played. That was a close game. Um, that was a good game. But that was a great regardless, bowl game. I think someone said it seems like Illinois' chances for the highest possibilities right now would be the Pinstripe Bowl. This is assuming they go seven and five. Seven okay. and five. The yes. Pinstripe Bowl or the Red Box Bowl, which is in California. Yeah. Which they would Pac-12 team or the yes. Music City Bowl in Nashville. I think the one Nashville. Okay. That'd be interesting. I'm looking at. Um, at uh, Iowa last year, they got to the Outback Bowl. Oh, okay. they beat Mississippi they did State. So then it was Indiana yeah. in the Pinstripe Bowl. No, it was Wisconsin Miami in the Pinstripe Bowl. It last was because it was a rematch That's of right. the Orange Bowl yep, the year yep, yep. before. Couple quick things. Uh, revisionist history. If Illinois beats Eastern, just that game, does anything change in the last four? Back to the future style. Yes. Do you think? You think, do you think that it will? I think if they beat Eastern, low, then you're what three and one going into the Nebraska game. Is that mm-hmm. right? You're no, you're three and and the, or, no, I'm no. sorry, you're three and zero oh. going into the Mich- in the Minnesota game. Uh, you would be three and one. Yeah, I'm just saying that. I almost Michigan feel like that alone. had to happen. I don't know why. Are you saying losing to Eastern or no beating Eastern Michigan and then everything else up to Wisconsin stays the same? Yeah, but obviously it, the butterfly effect that if you beat Eastern, the entire. I think if you beat Eastern, you still lose to Nebraska, you still lose to Minnesota and Michigan. 
I don't. I don't know. I, I don't think know. If you I beat think Eastern, you still get to a bowl game, but it's not at all the same way that this scenario goes. And I take Does the scenario. Yes, I get. I take the scenario if, if that is in fact the case. But I almost wonder that if you beat Eastern in ugly fashion and you don't feel good about it, then you lose the next three. You're still down in the dumps, sure. right? Yeah. But maybe it did in fact take this team being like the bottom of the barrel, two and four, DOA to finally come out in that second half against. I don't know. Like I just thought. I want to know what happened at halftime of Michigan. Because yeah. since then, they've been on fire, honestly. I don't get it. I don't know what clicked. I don't know what happened, and but every something second happened. half, Every second half, that defense yeah. has been a legitimate Big Lights Ten defense. Out. I mean, we gave up six points this last week, right? Is that mm-hmm. correct? Uh, the zero against Rutgers. Zero, uh, garbage touchdown against Purdue. Six against Purdue. How much do we give up against? Do we give up 13 against, uh, against I think, Wisconsin? No, I think Wisconsin already had 14 at halftime, right? Or no, seven? it was 10 to 7. At 13, half- 13 to 7. Okay, so they got 10. Yeah, okay. So they got 10 yep. in the second half. So you've given up. I think Michigan ultimately still got 17. They scored 17, I think. 17, yeah. 10. In this four-game run, you've given up 25 six, points in the second combined. half. Combined. Pretty good. Yeah, that's Pretty insane. Um, second question. Are we going to have an apology writing session next week? We need to write our apologies to Lovey Well, Smith. no, because something changed. The, I don't want to get off into the rant. <laughs> but like the whole like you need to eat crow thing. Eating crow, if you look up the term. It's delicious, by the way. No. By the way, Harry had one of his first David Thiessen encounters. <laughs> that how, is that how it's pronounced? Yes. I thought it was Thyson. I don't, I don't Harry know. Said I, don't, I, mean, I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> I, I've just said Thiessen. That's what fine. I said in the opening segment is I think it's a grand performance art piece. Like he's really pulling all of our legs. But regardless, be pretty awesome if he was just like a completely it'd be amazing <laughs> normal guy who just thought this was the most satirical thing he could possibly do. He's brought a lot of laughter into our lives. Yeah, and when Harry, he told me I, he wanted, when he told me he wanted to set me on fire and pee on me, I was honored. <laughs> Can I, you get banned from Twitter for that? I have probably I, 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 I didn't, re- I didn't report fire. him, but see, well, the thing is, is you guys get a kick out of this. I am genuinely confused as <laughs> to who this man is. So he's just this legendary Twitter icon. Yeah, I don't call him legendary. legendary. Yeah, in his own way, he's infamous. Now, okay. infamous is a good word for it. Now, Harry, what remind me of the tweet? I think it was something like "Bring your napkins." Right. So it was eating crow. Here I have. But it. So, I have it. Is the idea that so like crow's the, messy, so you need napkins to know, eat maybe. it? It's like a marinara but like sandwich. The thing about eating crow, if you look it up, is that eating crow means you have to admit that you were wrong about what you said earlier because you were ended up being wrong the entire time, essentially. Right? I'm, I'm going to eat crow for the fact that things, like you said, have changed, and also piggyback that by saying, as critical as I was... I'm still a fan who is reveling in this development, right? Like, I'm absolutely loving the right. development and not having to worry about another stupid coaching search and all right. that. So it's just like, say it's sunny six out of seven days a week, and six out of seven days you walk outside and you say, oh, it's sunny. Then the eighth day it's raining, and you walk out and you go, oh, it's raining. And everyone goes, well, you're going to have to eat crow for all those days you said it was sunny because now it's raining. And it's <laughs> like, well, no, it something is different now, right. right? Like I'm happy to admit that things have changed for the better, but I'm not going to apologize for criticizing Lovey when his defense was 128th in the country. Uh, okay, so I have it right here. I tweeted out, I can't believe what we just watched. 25 point comeback against that defense. I'm so proud of y'all boys. We love no other. So let our motto be hashtag Oski hashtag ILL. Keep wow. in mind, <laughs> Oski came back. Keep in mind, Harry is a former Illini yes. football player who yeah. knows some of these dudes on the yeah. team. Knows the grind. And knows far more than Trevor, myself, or let alone David Thiessen. Yeah. About so then, playing on a college football team. Yeah. So then he tweets at me, you're a little late, which, by the way, after four games and me backing them during this entire streak, 
I he think was he, presuming I think that he you might just be jumped a, on board. I think he might be a little late. Um, I sure hope you kill. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's, it's a month after this started, and he's saying you're a little late. Keep going. I sure hope you kill and serve a couple of crows for the next two for the next for that next two hundred level. Bring some big napkins to Harry ILL. So the it's a very are confusing. The, the napkins are for the crow. I'm for the sure Harry kind of like settling down like Winnie Pooh in that gif when he puts the napkin yeah. on and he's ready to eat Winnie, the crow. Yeah, Winnie the Pooh's never wearing pants either. That's weird. That, that is weird. I just <laughs> eating crow suggests that you were wrong all along about something, yeah. and now it's proven that you were wrong. And I wasn't wrong about anything I said when it happened. It's just that something has changed. You know what I don't like? You know what I mean? I don't like gloaters. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, first Gloater. example I would use is during the game. Kara and I being her from Michigan State, me from Illinois, which oddly enough, since I've met Kara in 2016, first in 2016, Illinois beat Michigan State in Lovey's first year. Yeah, I, don't I was know. thinking about that. I Illinois is... And they upset them in basketball. They upset yeah. them in basketball. And now they win again. <laughs> John Gross's last game at home. John yeah. Yeah. yeah, Me yeah. and her went to it. Then yeah. last year they beat Michigan State for uh-huh. Brad Underwood's signature win in year two. I mean, and then this. Kara's like, what did I get myself is, into here? Yeah, she she even said this, and I, I don't blame her. She's like, it's just annoying. She's like, can you guys just at least get good first before this happens? Because fair. she she sees the <laughs> crap fair, that yeah. we've had to see, yeah. and yet we seem to beat Michigan State. I mean, is Illinois' record then, since you've known her in both those sports is two and zero in football. Two and zero in football. Uh, they've suffered wins. a few losses. I'm sure. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking. What would it be? And a couple blowouts at Michigan State. Too. I would guess they're four and one or four and two. It's definitely two, a winning two record. Wins. I would guess they're probably two and three. Say against Michigan State since 20 in basketball. Yeah. I so yeah. then, but that's still a winning record overall. That's well, four I mean, and the football. Three. And they beat them that one year when Jalen Tate had the weird box out and John. But that was Eke. before I met her. Okay, that would have been 2014 right. or 15. I think 2015 is when that happened. But anyway, okay. So back to gloating. When this game is going on, we're sitting right next to each other, and, you know, Brian Lewerke's doing his thing. She doesn't give me crap for Brian Lewerke actually having a good game. She's like, all right, you know, and then she might say something to Rosie the dog, like, hey, Michigan State's got the lead, but she's not looking at me like, you guys suck, you know? Right. Or like, I told you Michigan State was going to win. So then, on the same token, end of the game, I kind of do the muted reaction the fist pump in my own little corner go text my dad you know talk to my sister on the phone revel in the victory away from her yeah. so she doesn't have to see me talking about this incredible collapse right so i don't like loading okay it's not my I, style i don't like it either so my point being that for all the people now that are i told you so nanny nanny foo foo okay Lovey was going to. Why'd you point at me when you said that? I'm just saying. Foo Foo walking through the forest. Picking up the field mice and bopping them on the head. That it is, in essence, a form of gloating. Yeah, but the problem with that kind of gloating is that they would be liars if they said, walking out of the stadium after Eastern Michigan, just wait, guys. Just wait. They're going to lose the next two. That's my point, though, right? It's like it's not eating crow, it's that something has changed. You know, like, like. If if honestly, if you sit there and take a lie detector test and you say that this entire time you were confident it was going to work, I can do nothing but applaud you, I guess, because you just threw blind faith at it and it happened to turn the coin on your side, right? Like, I don't understand. You're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs if that's what you thought. Yeah. But I, again, I don't want to sit here and, and start calling people crazy because then it's on then we're me, doing what they do, right? right? Yeah, then, right. Then, and this can be... Uh, shown in many ways on Twitter with many different issues, politics, whatever. Now, but the 200 level takes the high roll. When they go low, we go high. I <laughs> think like, I've heard that's disgusting, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> someone's in the kitchen with Freddie. Um, Baker's in kitchen. Uh, someone's in the kitchen with Baker. Let's say that. That sounds better. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. 
the point is, I'm thrilled that this is happening. Oh, it's awesome. And I'm not going to apologize because it's happening, because there was plenty of evidence that it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Something changed, and now it is happening, well, and I am so glad that it is. And I, I don't I'm know just, what else to say I'm other than that. I'm confused as to why people are still saying this kind of stuff after... Because I feel like we've all, since the Wisconsin win, been... Keep doing this, and we'll keep supporting you. It's not. I haven't. I don't think any of us have been naysayers saying, "Oh, that was a fluke. That's not going to happen." Oh, I don't think this is going to keep going on. The fact that it's you know since Wisconsin win is keep keep it rolling, keep it going. Someone said it's like calling balls and strikes, and I tend to agree with that. When it's a ball, I call it a ball, and when it's a strike, I call it a strike. It's not like. I've but that that is a, even oversimplifying it in that we had innings worth of stuff to go off of, sure. right? So right. we weren't even that. That's so micro that I think within a game you're calling balls and strikes, but at the end of each game you've called the game. And 42 yeah. games into it, it was just really, really bad and and not promising. The recruiting had stalled. This is why this is so huge that this is a four game streak leading into the bye week. They get a bye week now to go out and sell this thing, not just to four year kids at high school, but to grad transfers as mm-hmm. well, because there will be holes that they need to plug in this roster but all that said you still will have more returning guys than i think most teams in the big 10 west and if you can keep the continuity with the coaching staff uh i I could see the offense specifically making a jump next year if you look at the average of points per game they're doing fine right even if you take the defensive touchdowns out they're doing okay but they can do better. I think that improves. I think defensively, same thing goes for them because it seems as if there is a trajectory that they've been on. The first half against Michigan State notwithstanding, you could explain at least some of that underperformance due to the guys that weren't even on the field for you. Oh, yeah. yeah you're losing. You're missing your best player in Jake Hansen, and then you have one of your players ejected after the first touchdown. And, and Batiku's not even out about there. It, right? yeah. like, and I'm not saying it as a slight to him, but you're winning this game with Dawson Frickin' DeGroote as your middle linebacker. He looked okay. He By was the way, good. A weird middle name, Frickin', just throwing that out. Yeah, Dawson yeah. Frickin' DeGroote. Couldn't believe it when I saw it. His mom stubbed her toe when she was signing the birth certificate. <laughs> In the bed. <laughs> Ma'am, what's his name? Uh, DJ. Don't write that down. Guy's just like, What year is this? That's like some Mayflower stuff. When they come over, you could just make up your name because it was just a guy with a pen writing it down. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Didn't they do so that? So many at- names are wrong if you do your ancestry because hmm. the person didn't hear them right. And they said, what's your name? And they said Smith and they heard Stith. And so they wrote it down. Well, and they <laughs> imagine it would probably be the other way around. <laughs> yeah. there. But uh, no, I know a lot of names were also changed at Ellis Island. When, That's right. When yeah. People Simplified often. Yeah. Like... Um, like my name probably would have been like Blakovsky or Blackbird or something. Now it's <laughs> just Black. Harry Blackbird. Eaton yeah. Crow. Eaton, the blackest of the birds. Wow. Hmm. Anyways, Trevor, I just, what's your lineage? What's your heritage? Well, I'm from Italy and Ireland. Wow. I wish Valise, I had some Italian. Valise is Italian. Yes, very. And I think I've mentioned how it, it means small suitcase in Italian. <laughs> I don't. I didn't mention I, that. No, I don't think so. And huh. then Harry, your lineage. Uh, both my parents are from America. Both their grandparents are from America. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so you're third-generation American. Yes. Full-blooded. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but man. I mean, like, your great-grandparents and stuff. Um, uh, I think my dad... I asked my parents the other day. I think my dad's side is from Poland and Hungary. And, okay. Or Hungary? Hungary. Sangria. Yeah, something like Hungary? that. Hungary? San- Santeria. Hungary. Uh, I think my mom's parents are from uh, Russia. Portugal. And Czechoslovakia, yeah, Greenland, um, Ireland. Oh, that's cool. I don't know, but I'm from America. I got that's br- what I am. There you, I okay, love it. You should run for office. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I hear like a 
bald eagle in the background just <laughs> cawing as he said that. I'm an American. Okay, Illinois basketball is what it is, and I am worried. We'll just spend a couple minutes on this, because first off, we get a week to just sort of stew. Which is fine. It's fine. I like stew. It's pretty, yeah. Stew is good, depending on the Have you had crow stew before? That uh, sounds delicious, We'll prepare way. a heaping bowl of crow stew if Illinois beats Iowa. Yes. How's that? Sure. Uh, okay, so what no, I, I don't want to do about. that because I don't know where to buy crow. That's true. We'll have to I kill think one ourselves. Market has some. I'm kidding. No. <laughs> I am concerned, not worried. I feel like concerned is a step below worry. Yeah, right. Yeah, like I, I don't sense this is going on like a disastrous path. No, but I do worry. Sorry, I have concern. I want to delineate uh-huh. those two things. I have concern that there is a messiness factor, a lack of cohesion, and the good news is that. But if there's any point in the season to have a messiness and a lack of cohesion it's early the first on. week of the season right? it is it is i think that overall we we have some givens kofi is kofi mm-hmm. he's a stud io will be fine he's better I'm not trans- worried about no, him, no, no, yeah. no 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 better in transition than he is in the half court but we knew that uh trent is going to be what he is he's which a microwave is, yep he's a microwave and when he's hot great and then andres feliz i think is going to be far more uh, reliable than he was Very last dependable. year georgie i don't know the concern with Georgie is that when Kofi's getting 10 and 10 every single night, he's going to have to play off the ball. And so far, what we've seen of Georgie off the ball at the four is not great because he's not comfortable out there, which I understand. The whole reason why Georgie, or part of the reason why Georgie was so tremendously successful last year was because they were just feeding him every time in, in the interior, and he was making every shot. But the question is, you can't have Kofi and Georgie in the paint at the same time. So then Georgie kind of floats. You've seen him at the top of the key and in the corners a lot in these mm-hmm. first three games, which is not a place where he's comfortable. He's actually made a few threes. So I suppose he's he's worked on his outside. I know he's worked on his outside game. But my concern comes with if Kofi's going to give you 37 minutes a game, which is what he averaged between Grand Canyon and Arizona, and he's going to be parked in the paint all those 37 minutes, where is Georgie? Yeah, I don't know. That's that's what concerns me. Also, the wing position. Alan Griffin is showing... We knew that was going to be a kind exactly. of a problem, right? Like I said, I so wish we had Holyfield. It would change a lot of things, and I think that addition alone would make me say, yes, for sure, this is an NCAA mm-hmm. tournament team. I'm not fully subscribed to that yet because I still think that the worst-case scenario is that there is no cohesion, that they get... And, and the schedule, as you were tweeting about last night, and I, I thought this was interesting, there's not a lot of opportunities for marquee wins. Yeah. And, and Which turn, is good news, bad news. Right. It's good news, bad news. But I just, maybe it's just because I'm triggered from Nebraska going, what was it, 22 and 11 and not making it exactly. with a similar schedule. But they didn't have any Arizonas on their schedule that year. But then again, you just lost by 22. So, so it, I don't know whether it, it or not. It renders it meaningless. I mean, that, that's, right. that's a loss that you might as well have beat a cupcake. There's not at home. another good quality win in the non conference. Beating Miami at home is not going to be a quality win. They just lost by 20 to Louisville in the opening game of the season. What's Missouri? What are they thinking down there for their. They were picked to finish 13th out of 14 in the SEC. Wow. So I, I don't think there's a... Harry, Harry nods his head bad. like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting to queue up some, Conzo's going to be better than Brad Underwood no matter what, deal with it tweets from Bragging Rights, Twitter arguments last year. We need year to go down before, there and but, kick their ass this year. I, I But we, I just said we don't gloat, so order. I'm not going to gloat about that. Um, so the point is, I don't really think, there, there's little room for error the rest of this non-conference by losing that game and losing that game by that much. Because I don't really think there's a chance for another quality win, honestly. Hmm. So the, the the question becomes, okay, say they kind of sloppily get to what would it be like ten and one after the non conference, they lose at Maryland by ten or fifteen to start conference play. Then you're kind of thinking, okay, so say you lose at Maryland, you've got like three more chances for a quality win. Now something might change. Ohio State sure. might suddenly become a top ten team and you play them. They look They're good not so right far. now, but they do look good. So obviously you're gonna have some chances for a quality win, but what if you're 
I just floated this out. What if you're 19 and 13? No. And you lose the first Big Ten tournament game. Probably not feeling right? good. Like, you're not feeling great at 19 and 14 on Selection Sunday. You're probably on the bubble. Well, that makes you like with nine and nine in the uh, in big. Oh no, well, there's, there's twenty two more games. games now, so you're probably so, like ten and ten then. I don't know. I feel like they have to go like thirteen and, and seven, given, Which the, given they the Big Ten. Could. I mean, Nebraska's I... lost their first two games to UC Riverside and Southern Utah. Northwestern just lost to Merrimack. But I don't even just, know what I, Merrimack I make, is. Uh, I feel like then all of a sudden finishing Maryland. seventh in the Big Ten <laughs> in that kind of year, finishing seventh may not be enough. Right. So that's that. I that, mean, Nebraska finished like fourth, and that's not to say that losing mm. yesterday. I mean, I assume they might lose yesterday. I didn't. Yeah, I was disappointed with the last ten minutes. Though. Yeah, the last 15 minutes, a 34 to 13 run for Arizona really gets away from you, and then it's kind of that. That was honestly the only way that that could actually put a somber note to the end of my Illini weekend. Is yeah, but I was riding high third. on football. I didn't so really much, care. Though. But if you lose by five, I truly didn't care at all. Exactly, you lose by 21, and it's like uh, that wasn't great. Hopefully, and what I tweeted was that I think the the issues can be resolved, and the issue of sloppiness is what you expect. The if you were seeing sloppiness in March, yeah, I'd be concerned. But you're seeing it in November, so clean it up. You know, if they can't, I they like got, Alan they got eight Griffin. days. Until I think the next he's looked game. good. Yeah, he's super athletic. He skies for rebounds. He's had a few putback dunks that he's missed. But John Eakey effect. I also <laughs> I also think that part of the reason why you may be losing that game by 21 is that Kipper and Demonte got a combined like 32 minutes. Bleh. And I just Kipper. I mean, I know he had an and one, but he did have an and one. But he had a charge, the, but then he had the a three. Foul right it was him. like just a complete brick. It wasn't even near the basket. And Demonte's been fine. I actually like that he's willing to shoot because last year my biggest frustration with him is he had the athleticism, but every time he got the ball, he just handed off to the next guy. But he's not making anything. And I just think I, I think if this year is going to be a nineteen and fourteen year, we're going to circle that three position and look at Demonte and Kipper who are getting meaningful minutes, and look at Tevian who's still suspended, and go, that's what hurt him. Harry, last thing today, we love your baseball trade proposals. Yes, yes. It yes. sounds like oh. Mookie Betts might be on the move at some point. What would be a good landing <laughs> oh, wow. spot for him? Now, if you're talking Mookie Betts on his way out of Boston, it mm-hmm. would be interesting to see if he were to end up maybe, I don't know, let's say, let's just throw it out there, okay? <laughs> let's have some fun with it. Let's say he's going to end up in Texas as a Ranger. Wow. I think the kid can rake, <laughs> and if you put him out there. You think? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Kids can. I've never heard that about. Kid can rake. He's a he's a little speedster out there in the outfield, (laughs) make some good plays. I think that's really what the Rangers need right now. Okay. To clean up that act out there. Yeah, the Rangers could be worse. Yeah. That might actually be a destination for them. I thought he was going to say like the Cincinnati Reds. (laughs) (laughs) Because you sent Noah Syndergaard to the Mariners. Yeah, just for fun. See what happens, man. For no reason. You, what, what, I forget let's your exact some fun. quote. Well, I think it was, was let's, let's have, have some fun. fun. Let's have some fun. <laughs> let's ship them up to Seattle. I just love the idea of Harry being like the trade expert on baseball tonight. It's like, <laughs> guys, let's just have some fun with it here. No sources, no nothing. I'm just thinking maybe. I don't what if the know. Cubs traded Chris Bryant? Where does he go? Ooh. Chris Bryant, third baseman. There's some teams that have a need at third. There base. are some Bryant. teams that need a third baseman, and but one Harry's those... going to send him to a team that has three third basemen. Now, if you really, I mean, if you're talking third basemen. And a team that really <laughs> needs one. Right Third basements. <laughs> <laughs> I can see, you know, let's send him somewhere a little warmer. He's already familiar with the Southwest because that's where they have spring training. He's a Diamondback next wow. year. You know what? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, come on. I can see that maybe yeah, happening, right? Because they, they lost uh, Paul Goldschmidt, right? They did. They did. Yeah, but they he did. plays. What does he play? Outfield? I thought he played third base. No. Paul Goldschmidt? What does he yeah, play? He, he plays first base. Yeah, first base. Well, I must be wrong. Corner, corner infield, though. 
<laughs> and then there's one more, I feel like. Was there one other name that might be? Betts, Bryant, and there's one other stud young guy. Well, Wilson Contreras, maybe. but Wilson Contreras, catcher. You need to find a home for him. You got to find him. I mean, catchers are used to playing. You got to find him. You got to find a place for him. He's just wandering around the north side somewhere. You got to find him. Yeah. Where'd he go? <laughs> is the season over? He you was guys, last seen somewhere between uh, Wrigley and Thirty Fourth. Oh my gosh, that's a team wanna, that could really use be a, careful there. Really use a pick me up as far as the catcher position goes. Is down low in the United States, just like catchers oh. usually <laughs> squat down low. Let's put him in Tampa. Why not? He's a Ray now. <laughs> oh my God. Why not? <laughs> I thought you were going to say the Rangers again. <laughs> <laughs> let's have some fun. Yeah. Let's, let's bring uh, Trevor each week, like two or three yeah, okay. baseball names. Sure. Possible trade proposals <laughs> for fun. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Wait, we have to keep track of this, though, because if I get one of them right, or you know what, if well, I get the, the if joke I get... was we had that big segment. Yeah. And your last one was we're going to move Whit Merrifield to the outfield and yeah. trade him. And then, like a week later, for no reason whatsoever, <laughs> he started playing in the outfield. Mm-hmm. He's a speedster, that kid. He can move. He can rake, but, you know, too. He, he can. Here's the thing Down if I low. get one of those three right, or you, then that's, you know, Put me in the Hall of Fame, man. Okay, cool, man. Baseball reference. Buster, sure. only part two over here. <laughs> well, hey, that was a fun broadcast, broadcast, podcast. And we played It Should Matter and It Does. And we, we didn't did. know it. Yeah. That's true. It Should Matter and It Does. And finally, Illinois football matters. How about that? They're six and four with two games left in a bye week where we just get to soak it all in. I'm going to enjoy sitting down to watch some football on Saturday and feeling like, wait a second, I have a decent team that I root for. Yeah. We're pretty good. So if, per your scenario, what do we need to have happen this coming weekend? This coming weekend, uh, let's see, Wisconsin plays Nebraska this week, right? Unless, did they have a bye week no, already? No, they play Wisconsin. Or they mm-hmm. play okay, Nebraska, so they yeah. play Nebraska. It would be ideal if they lost that one, just you know, get it out of the way now, because then you need to, well, here's the thing, you don't need them to lose, you need them to go 2-1 and one, okay. but beat Minnesota, because if they lose two more, then you don't want to head-to-head directly with Minnesota. So you need them to go one-and-one against Nebraska and Purdue. Let's say they beat Nebraska. I guess guess it doesn't really matter. I would root for them to lose this weekend because I think it's less likely that they lose to Purdue at home. Okay, well, it depends on who you think it's more likely for them to beat or lose to. So let's say we want them to lose. We want Minnesota to lose to Iowa. And those are the two things we want. Okay. Okay. We can do that. All right. Well, next week we'll find something to talk about. Maybe more trade proposals. Or sure. We'll the Iowa game. Uh, Iowa. There is a basketball game next Monday night. Hawaii. Your Bears won. <sighs> Who cares, they man? Suck. <laughs> Everybody, Trubisky's back. No, Be he's quiet. not. Be quiet. He's back. Did you see the gold? Uh, was it not gold? Uh, Kenny Galladay he put the ball, the ball like yeah. two yards forward. You can't do that. Yeah. I mean, the Lions almost backed their way into that win with Jeff frickin' Driscoll. His mom named him Jeff frickin' Driscoll as wow. well, by the way. His so that one was frickin- on purpose, yeah. Because that's just how they do it in Detroit. He wasn't born in Detroit. That's where he plays. What yeah. if he was born in Detroit? I just, I'm putting zero stock in the fact that the Bears won. He's just a city girl born and raised. Wow, what's that line from? Just a city, a city boy, boy born, born and, and raised in South, in South Detroit. Detroit. Which is yeah. not actually a thing, he by took the way. Midnight South train. Detroit is not a, a thing. Well, I mean, there's... Well, there is a southern portion yeah, it's of not Detroit. Like it's there just is, Detroit. but it's not like... <laughs> that'd be like someone saying, well, hey, uh, you know, I'm from South Champaign. I'm like, you mean the southern part of Champaign? <laughs> yeah, so man. So apparently City Boy is from the southern part of Detroit, but there's not... Is South uh, Champaign, like, I, that's like not quite at Willard, because that's Savoy. That's around... I think I'm actually living in South Champaign. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> now that we got now that we got that solved. All right. Well, hey, we uh we, we solved a lot, we of, things solved today. A lot yeah. of things today. I'm feeling good about it. Okay, well next week we'll find something to talk about. And uh Okay, so wait, I have Mookie Betts to the Rangers. Yep. Correct. Chris Bryant to the Diamondbacks. Chris Bryant to the Diamondbacks and Wilson Contreras to, to the Rays. The Rays. Tampa Bay. Okay. Yes. We'll remember that. It's a good start Winter to the meetings are coming up. The hot stove are coming up. Yes. Harry Black. Eating up crow on his hot stove. Bring your napkins. All right, boys. Fun as always. We'll see you next week. It is the 200 level.